Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle that people make it occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster. I am delighted to be here. I do various things that free think and I'm I'm this is great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be mm, wonderful. Yeah. Joined by Mike Moynihan, Vice News, Matt Welch, editor at Large Reason Magazine. It is April Fool's Day, which means it's fifth anniversary. This is yes, our sir. sixth is. anniversary. We've been doing this for a while. I never Six forget. years. I'm like an elephant in Holy that respect. In that, that respect alone. And you motherfuckers um, haven't canceled us with all that material in six years? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Step I up mean, your game. I mean, no, I told you. I've been telling you, cancel culture is a myth. It's yeah, not a myth. I'm starting to think it is because we've been doing this for six years. And back in the early days, was like, you know, what I Matt was like, I don't, yeah, I don't like Chinese people. I'm going to tell you, this is a special episode. The People's Republic of China is just going to get it right between the eyes. And you would do that every episode back in the day. The first, that? the first episode, I went back and re-listened to the opening recently, mm. and mm-hmm. um, and. Apropos of zilch, uh, uh-huh. you're going to talk about this again. Within, yeah. within the first sixty seconds, mm. says the phrase "surprise fisting." Yeah, yes, like, but that is we didn't know what we were doing. We were like, we just turn on the tape <laughs> and recorder that's when they What's knew gonna... it would be a success. <laughs> the first day of the fifth column, Camille drops a fisting reference. Let's look at the title. Not just a fisting, it's but like a surprise. Fist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not welcome. surprise to us. Yeah, it's a it, no, no, no. If it is a surprise. It is something that you want. You are interested in this. It is a gift. It's a gift. And again, we keep referring to fisting, and it's a fist bump, which someone somewhere, I'm sure, Mm. has referred to as fisting before. I am confident of that fact. Someone has. I like that six years later, I'm still uncomfortable (laughs) being on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I'm lying. Can I quit on the air? I'm glad. Grand opening, (laughs) grand closing. (laughs) (laughs) We started and we finished in the same day. Shout out to Chris Rock. Shout out to Chris Rock. Rock. How's Chris Um, doing? I don't know. We should talk about it. I I talked to somebody who um, was talking to one of his friends last night and Uh and, uh, mentioned that uh, something about it and just basically that Chris Rock. Said, you know, it was flattering. G.I. Jane was hot. That's not, I don't know what the deal is. Big deal is. Um, but yeah, he did a show in Boston and said he wasn't going to talk about it and made it kind of, you know, the obvious thing you come out, like, how was your weekend? That's, yeah. that's a pretty, yeah. pretty basic one. Well, anyone and, who listened uh, yeah. to the Patreon, like, got to hear us respond to this in real, in time. real time. That's a, that's we were having a conversation about other things. Yeah. You guys were talking about Ukraine, and I was getting a little bored, so I'm surfing the interwebs, uh, and I discover... Because yeah, yeah. that's yeah. different. Because yeah, <laughs> This is what I do, though. But I discover what is actually happening in America. Yeah. But, you, but by but the way, matters. I want to point out, you are not Joe Rogan's producer. You are actually on the podcast. <laughs> and you're like, let me look yes. this up right now. Adding adding value. Yeah, yeah. What yeah, if yeah. I wasn't well, doing I, that? I mean, look. What if I wasn't doing that? Once in a while, you hit, and that was a hit. <laughs> but the thing that's funny is that I watched that I'm always after. a hit, okay? Well, Please. I didn't know. Six years. You should know that. I'm Five, always yeah, a I hit. Mean, I know. Six, okay. like, years in prison. It's, I didn't that's know. That's racist, by that's the way. totally. Well, I'm the one in prison. Unbelievable. I'm the one in prison. That's right. It's my own six personal years. Robin Island. Only one of us has gone to prison in six years, and it's you. That's true, actually. <laughs> that is so true. 
That's right. I'm the only one who's been in a jail cell in the past. And that's right. And weirdly, the you only one who deserved it. You know why? I was protesting racism. <laughs> that's not what I, you're doing. Yeah, I burned down a building and I was like, fuck this. I'm so tired of the white supremacy. And I burned down a, a, a Walgreens. I John think it was. Stewart I thanks you. John Stewart yeah, John thanks Stewart you for your service. Up, yeah. He but also that, says I, it's about time because you weren't listening before, no, but now you're listening. We've never talked about this before. <laughs> I think that whole John Stewart thing is him starting to pay attention and he's blaming us for it. But yeah, we've been talking. Well, we should get, we'll get to that because that yes, was crazy. Yes, but we'll I, I, we can go back to the episode in which uh, the day after I was, um, I was shackled and arrested because it's mm. hard to be a, to be a white man in America. It was <laughs> in hard Williamsburg, to be, man. in Williamsburg. Was, they, they needed to get their quotas of honkies and they threw yeah. me in the pen. But, uh, but yeah, I gave a, I gave a, uh, when was that? Mm-hmm. 2018, maybe 19. I don't remember. In there, in probably there. in the mid period. In the mid period, but yeah. But yeah I mean, so you I came back. Jail. You gave a, a a furious defund the police speech. If I yeah. remember yeah. correctly, what they the way they treat yeah. Irish Americans ahead of your in this time. country, yeah, is just they're like <laughs> that was like getting the paddy wagon. I was like paddy wagon. I'm sorry, what? And he's like getting the fucking paddy wagon. I'm like, well, he's not actually Irish. I'm, I would be the Irish. yeah. And he's like, I'm not going in there. It's a racist wagon. And uh, they put me in there anyway. Can you believe it? Yeah, I know. Uh, you know people God. say say that with the Redskins. Like, what if it was called the Cleveland, and then they would have a. Yeah, you could say the same thing about the Paddywhack, uh, and then fill that in with a slur, and no well, one says that, right? I'm just trying to think. What, well, what I do can't we say make? any of the slurs. <laughs> Pat, Patty's pretty bad. Well, can we? Yeah, can we no, talk, I'm certain. That, but yeah. can we talk about something you said that I thought was pretty bad? That um, is obviously racist. You referred what? to the Oscars as the Source Awards on the podcast. You did that. That was on the Patreon. That's the real thing that, that happened. A, I, no, I think that was, was that on the real one? That was on the Patreon. That was on the Patreon. Yeah. The real one. You said that the Oscars had it's become real? the source Patreon's awards. real? I mean, the And, and what's, what's interesting is it's true. <laughs> Actually. It's true. Um, we, we were talking briefly there about was a, the Will Smith not, situation. Not, there's just, there's a lot of fights at the Source yeah, Awards. it's true. People get That's shot. True. There's no other awards ceremony where people are getting shot, so I just compared <laughs> one to the other. No, this is true. some violence. I agree. I agree. There's I'm with violence. you. And, and listen, this is the thing. What, what's amazing is the way it was responded to. And, and it's been, a, it's been a week, so let's tick through the timeline very quickly. Yes. Millionaire yeah. movie star Will Smith walks mm-hmm. onto stage while Chris Rock is doing yeah. his, his bit. Right, he's 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 razzing the crowd. He yeah. is insulting these these celebrities, and everyone is having a good time until Will Smith takes to the stage and he approaches this man and slaps him right across his damn face because he doesn't like the so, joke that he made. Okay, so you have to subscribe to the Patreon, um, and then something else you have to subscribe to in a bit. We'll talk about it um, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. hear this in real time because the yes. thing that I didn't understand until after the fact. I thought this motherfucker was going up to get an award. He just got out of his seat in the middle. I didn't yeah. know that when we were recording. It was only after I realized that he was just like, hold on, yeah. hold my drink. Yeah, yeah. And he got on stage and slapped him in the middle of the bit. I mean, what can only imagine what Chris so crazy. Rock was thinking about as he well, was I know, walking out. I know what he was thinking. Oh, Please stop hitting me, Will. Please don't hit yeah, me, yeah, Will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will is yeah. bigger than him. Will is, like Will is, two, yeah. Will works Everyone out. Everyone is bigger than him. Will, yeah. Will works out. Will is an athlete. He's done a He's lot a of action guy. movies. I think, I think he can hold yeah. his own. He's, um, Serena he's lucky that he just slapped him, which is actually <laughs> right. interesting that he has a propensity to slap people, which is kind of weird. But in any rate, in any case, he slapped? Um, he's, he slapped other people before he slapped a journalist once who did some yeah. weird kind of kiss thing to him, or actually maybe it wasn't weird. Maybe it was just a European like double cheat kiss and Will yeah. just didn't like it and slapped him. But in either I don't case, think Europeans are strangers. <laughs> <laughs> in either Movie case, stars. he, he, um, so the slap happens and the folks who run the Oscars apparently approached him and said, Mr. Smith, you've got to leave. I mean, this is too much. And Will Smith says, nah, I'm cool. I'm good. I'm staying. 
and he proceeds to win Best Oscar that evening. He goes up, he gives his speech, um, and while giving his speech, he justifies his actions. He talks about the need for him to stand up for his family, his loved ones, to protect them, and to be a mm-hmm. river for his people. I don't even know what the fuck river. that Wait, means. Wait, a river for his a people? A river for his people. Yes, I think that just means he's, he's going to slap a lot of motherfuckers. The <laughs> 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 river the people just assaulting? Ram- Apparently. Really? Apparently. What's, what's amazing is the response of the crowd who stood to their feet and the applauded this yeah. man. They applauded yeah. this man. And what's interesting is, terrified. you know, that sure. evening, Will Smith <laughs> and and Chris Rock apparently both went out and did like the Oscar party thing afterwards. I saw a video of Will at a party holding up his newly acquired trophy, fist pumping with it in his hand. But 24 and singing, hours, and singing uh, uh, getting jiggy with it. Did he? Which is, yeah, oh which is one of the most embarrassing songs ever recorded. And he apparently the man has no shame. He slaps uh, people and sings that atrocity of a song. Who's the wow. man in the drop? Who else? Will Smith. <laughs> um, and uh, but but within 24 hours, Will Smith would issue a formal apology, talking about how embarrassing his actions were. And I guess you know once he had a chance to to get all of that partying out of the way. To look at that trophy on his uh, nightstand, he realized that maybe this could be a problem for me. Um, and uh, yeah, issues an apology, apologizes to the Academy, apologizes to Chris Rock, um, which he did not do the night of when he was giving that speech, validating his actions. And subsequently, as resigned from the Academy and... Perhaps I mean, there will be more penalties what, later. What does that mean? Uh, but that's, well, what it mean, what it, you know what it means? I'll tell you exactly what it means. Yeah. It means you found out that your wife is going to leave you. And so you ran home and broke up with her really quickly. So, so you could actually have that because he was going to get axed from the yeah. Academy. He's a member of the Academy, a voting member of the Academy. And uh, they were trying to figure out what to do. They were not going to, you know, melt down his award and mm-hmm. give it to somebody else. And that was pretty obvious because, you know, when you do that, you'd have to take over, you know, you have to like <laughs> take Roman Polanski's awards away at that point. <laughs> you have to start to like, do a lot of accounting at that point, you know, slapping a guy being convicted of rape, you know, maybe that would, you know, uh, move them to take his awards away. So they were going to basically just bounce him. And so he beat them to the punch and said, I resign. And now I control this narrative. And some crisis PR person wrote, this long, weepy thing about how he's sorry and embarrassed. And I love it. Crisis PR. One of my uh, better friends or a, a good friend, uh, let's say, in, in L.A. was a head of a Crisis PR company. Yeah. Um, so, like, he handled – and I don't think I'm talking out of school now. It's been a, a, enough time. Um, uh, I think <laughs> oh, he might have done uh, R. Kelly, actually. OJ. Shut up. Did you OJ? Uh, uh, Wait, he did, he did R. Kelly the last time? That, that wasn't very the, long ago. No, the first time. The first time with R. Kelly, uh, Paula – Poundstone. Oh yeah, yeah. She Frank was McCourt. Speaking of Irish pieces oh, of yeah. garbage yeah. from Boston, <laughs> the guy who owned no, the Dodgers, Ireland, isn't he? Oh, uh, no, oh, that Frank McCourt. Not, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, not the not the Angela's Ashes uh, Frank McCourt. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I would get uh, uh, some good, you know, confidential earfuls yeah. about the mm. approach of of that. And actually, Yael uh, now works. Uh, our, our good friend and listener works in uh, crisis PR, hmm. and it's. And there's a whole like pecking order of what you do with your apology. So the, the yeah, next yeah. thing to watch for Will Smith is where is the interview going to be? There's three venues. Yeah. One is 60 Minutes. That was the classic one. There's probably been updated <laughs> since then. Uh, two is Oprah. Yeah. No, not Oprah. But Oprah, the Oprah's one, the one that is now, uh, I, uh, I'm sure au courant is, uh, Charlemagne. The God. You yeah, think so? Charlotte. Yeah, I think he's no, too man. good for Charlotte. Robert, Robin Roberts, brother. Robin Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. Robin Roberts. Morning. Yeah. But he's but he's too big for all that stuff. He's got to go. He's got to go sixty. 
or um, Oprah. Or maybe the Instagram post is enough. Maybe that's all he really needs to do. Yeah. And and beyond that, he just keeps making movies. I think he's got a new film about runaway slaves that he's working on with uh, Apple, Apple TV, the Apple Studios folks. Um, so I'm sure Will will be just fine. Um, but I, I don't know if there's even anything else to talk about here. I mean, when we there talked is. about there's it, when thing. we talked about it, there hadn't been much press. And subsequent to to our conversation, there's been a great deal of reportage about this, it, it, including the hot take machine. Yeah, and hot take machine hot about takes about mostly. Just a little but bit. The the reliably awful Jamel Hill wrote a piece <laughs> yeah. for the Atlantic. This, the title of which is "All You Really Need: yeah. The Two Americas Debating Will Smith and Chris know. Rock." Black people and white people aren't necessarily discussing the Oscar slap in the same way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. One wonders which which uh, one of and, those and groups is justifying violence, Jamel. NBC you News. Racist. However you feel about Will Smith's reaction to the Chris uh, Rock joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, the incident points to a larger issue. Mm. Black women are made to feel ashamed of their natural hair. She doesn't have any hair. <laughs> Isn't that the whole thing? Oh have you God. seen the fucking <laughs> documentary? Who made that documentary? Chris Rock. Oh, Ooh. yeah. The Cut. Uh, New York Magazine's The Cut. My alopecia is not your punchline. Girl, I don't think there's going to be a lot more of these. <laughs> there's only a couple. You can't go. Uh, this is uh, Kovi Biacola, who is a blue check. Just a note to white people that what happened between Will, Jada, and Chris white is black business. folks' business. Oh, oh, Tread lightly. Oh, I missed that. Um, yeah, yeah, she blocked, yeah, she blocked yeah. me on Twitter. That Very, girl, you know her? Well, no, but I, I saw that post and yeah. replied that you must be this melanated to comment on this story. Yeah, can we get a, a tra- I was providing a helpful translation. She didn't appreciate it and she blocked me. <laughs> she blocked you. Because I was she weird. just giving some, pan, helpful. some Pantone swatch numbers. Yes. Like if, yeah. you're, if you look like this, you can't talk. And yes, this must is, be um, this tall to ride. Must be this yeah, dark to open your mouth. Right. Walk, walk in front of this screen and then we'll match you. <laughs> this is uh, Sophie Hagen, who appears to delete this tweet but the great thing when you send somebody a tweet on iMessage the tweet remains that's true yeah so this is the one I really like I think that Will Smith uh, should wait looks at hands oh yeah oh hang on I'm quite white so maybe I don't need to have an opinion on what a black man did to another black man because of what he said about his black wife maybe Mm. I should just shut up and listen wow I love that so much what what a brilliant introspective Here, listen really close range. that's amazing yeah black attention attention black domestic abusers of the world yes white people will be staying out of your business from now yeah. on <laughs> yeah feel free to slap around your wife girlfriend or neighbor it is fine so long as it's black on black what, what do we call this? It can't be violence, right? No, because white people a, should care about that. That's not a real thing, according right. to Tanahasi. Well, that's true. Uh, I remember you wrote a piece it's about that. It's all ultimately white supremacy. Yeah, but so. here's the question I want to know. And, 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 and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm trying to find some guidance. If you could help me with this, I would appreciate it. <laughs> what? I'm just asking for That's favorite. funny, because Chris Brown had a song called No Guidance, and he also smacks black yes, people. Yeah, I don't have a comment on that, because it, you can. it has nothing to do with me. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, but what happens when a guy... Um, who is a melanated human, which mm-hmm. I think is the new term. Mm-hmm. Um, we've decided this new term. <laughs> Almost cuts a white woman's head off. And then the whole city of LA is all sorts of shit that goes down. What happens there? And then kills like, uh, like a guy that's returning her phone or something. Cause then I would just say, Hey, Twitter world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> OJ. <laughs> this is OJ. Hey, Twitter world. Um, 
We had actually had a conversation uh, with, uh, I, I had, I ran into our friend Coleman Hughes last night at a dinner yeah. and uh, we went and we actually ran into another uh, person who I have um, respect for. Oh God. No, that's, I got that person. I don't have respect for. Mm. Um, so that um, I, I run into these people and then we had a long conversation about, about OJ's uh, tweets. And uh-huh. apparently he chimed in on the Will Smith. He sure thing. did. He sure did. did. He? Yeah, he did. Yeah, the, the next day. Uh, what did he say? He was at the golf course in Florida because yeah. of course he fucking was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said he's every, everywhere, course, he's everywhere he went. <laughs> he said everywhere he went, people were asking him what they he were asking about. They weren't asking yeah. about the new NFL overtime rules. That's, That's right. What he was all the, like yeah. bent out of shape yeah. about their asking. Yeah. He said yeah. people were asking him? Yeah. He's yeah. a liar. He's and then OJ is like, it's true. It's hey, like you know, if, yeah, if I <laughs> was in that think? situation, I would have cut his head off with a knife. <laughs> Dude, he lives in Florida. <laughs> no, he's not thinking about that. That makes sense. If you saw yeah. Juice on the on the on the he, links what? in Florida, <laughs> oh, literally anyone on earth would be like, "What's up, Juice?" Like, I would not. Oh know you God. killed your wife and somebody yeah, else. I would no, want to know about but, his opinion about Will yeah, Smith. But yeah, what he actually what he actually says was, "I've been the butt of a lot of jokes, you know, and and you know, sometimes I feel like I could just." You know, hurt somebody or something he along those that? lines. Pretty, he didn't yeah. say like I would stab them he or didn't cut their heads off. But he said but he, somebody <laughs> in motion. But he, but he suggested that he might want to do something. You yeah, know, that's to what. Them. That's what got him in yeah. the butt of the jokes in the first place. I'm saying he got a little upset and he hurt somebody. Yeah, that's know, not how he supposedly. Sees it, yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah. I mean, in the way he talked about it, it was like killer. because because I'm innocent. You know, yeah. this is just this is unfair treatment. But you have to be able to take that will. You have to be able to take it. There's a thing that you do when you name a film, right? Yeah. This is famous. And you, you, you play out the, the headlines that could mm-hmm. possibly, you know, impact your film. Like if it's something, you know, <laughs> you know, if, I, I'm trying to think of one that you can have a headline that says it sucks with the name of the film in it. Oh, so people like play right. this out, you know, and uh, you would think that OJ was doing something similar when like, maybe I shouldn't react to the assault video there's everyone like everyone's like because i have a bit no, of a background no, no. And, people, and he just doesn't care he doesn't care he doesn't he care because he didn't do it he doesn't care just like to point it's, it's out. almost like he got away with murder or something yeah <laughs> just crazy yeah, yeah. it's the sixth anniversary and our first uh show ended up <laughs> it's with true moynihan yelling at me because i was saying that oj was innocent i know yeah i know i've yeah. come six years it's taken me to come along to your position that yeah that man was really, uh, it was Mark Furman, I think, who did it. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> or at least he had a hand in it. Hand in glove. I see what he, you did there. We were I talking, see what you we did were talking there. about this last night, and the guy who, I don't know if you know this guy, Camille, we're talking about it later. He didn't give me We all approval. know each other. It's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah he, he, was, he, was, he was one of you. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. I can yeah, tell yeah, by the yeah. way you said this yeah. guy. Yeah. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you did a jive turkey hand like, move. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know that man. Uh-huh. <laughs> we were talking about the moment we watched OJ put the glove yeah. on, uh-huh. <laughs> put the glove on, uh-huh. and uh, and you know, <laughs> Coleman and I were pointing out, didn't take his arthritis med- medication, so his hands were swollen. But the other guy was like, no, 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 like he had it all crooked, like his putting his fingers. In. He was like, I don't know what's happening, and his fingers were all like in it, like he was hanging yeah, onto a ledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I don't. It's not. And Judge Ito was like, mm, it's not fitting. It doesn't appear to be fitting his hand, which is in a claw hand, and he can't get the fingers in because they're not fucking straight. <laughs> Innocent though. Oh man. According to the state of California. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I, I don't know if we've got much else to say about Will. That, that thing has been, no, you know, run down. It is what it is. Uh, honestly, I, I hope for the best for Chris Rock. It sounds like he's on tour right now. Uh, he is. What is, what is it called? The Ego Death Tour, which is actually very, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Nothing will kill your ego faster than getting smacked, having the shit smacked out of you by a grown ass man in front of the world. Odds on him Everybody. being on Saturday Night Live on Saturday? 100%. Not good. 90%. Not good. He doesn't want that drama. You don't want that. No, he's happy yeah. to go go do his tour and and be on stage and I don't know because they're going to have to talk about it. Wouldn't you want to be like uh, controlling the narrative a little bit? I don't. I, I don't, don't know. What I would have done is find a way to beat up Will Smith in that moment. You just fight. Do something. Stand well, up. What if yourself. it was like? Don't talk about can... my wife. I won't. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Oh, he, I mean. Uh, Get your name out of your fucking mouth. I was like, what is he talking about? Get my wife out your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wife's, wife's name, name out, out your mouth. mouth. It's like, no, um, it's a free well, country. I'm cool. John Boy, the great um, uh, baseball video uh, uh, kind of uh, put togetherer who like finds uh, and <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Me fail English? That's impossible. John Boy. <laughs> Okay. His, Go ahead. John Boy Go ahead, on Twitter. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's incredible. He's the guy who who discovered mm-hmm. the Houston Astros were cheating because he was doing deep reads on videos and he noticed the sound of the trash can getting beaten, which was mm-hmm. their, uh, oh, their their sign. Yeah. And he's a Yankee oh. fan and he does these great close reads of videos that he puts together on Twitter, just little two minute things or mm-hmm. on YouTube for four minutes. And he does great lip reading too. So when people are like getting in fights, it's hilarious. He's he's mm-hmm. one of the best. Twitter follows out there. He did an Oscar thing and he pointed out like a Zap Bruder film type of Oscar thing, slow motion and stuff. Rock had a joke. Rock had a joke. He turned to the side. He looked, he had, he was coming up with the retort. His eyes were starting to like, Oh, I'm going to fuck with you a little bit here. And he swallowed it. Look at it. I swear to God, look at it. He had a joke and he decided not to do it. He turned the fucking other cheek because he he didn't want, he didn't want Will to smack him. That's why. He's afraid of will is what you're saying. The whole thing would derail at that point. And also like, what are the odds? And also the the rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith that Will Smith tries to smack the rock. The, the joke would be exactly the joke would be as there was actually a joke earlier. I don't know if it was in the broadcast, but it was in the live show Mm. of uh, one of the, uh, the co-presenters was making a kind of an open joked reference to, uh, Will being in an open marriage and Jada Pinkett Smith doesn't doesn't mind if he's out like fucking on her because mm. she's got her own thing going. Mm. It would have been that joke. It would have been something like that joke and Rock swallowed it, yeah. um, which mm. was amazing. So I don't think that he was scared of got being beaten. I think he was scared about like he does that. The whole shit blows up right there mm. and it'd be awesome. Wait, mm. can I can I I just want to say that um, uh, our friend. Uh, and OG fan, Andrew Wimsat, mm-hmm. uh, who became known as Busty for some reason that I don't want to actually revisit, um, posted. I thought the, that was Madison Cawthorn's uh, nickname. It is. It, it, well, it's his too. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Uh, Which is why they invite him to all the fancy parties. <laughs> they were parties of a sexual nature. Um, I was like, who can that? Can you forward the invite, Madison? You don't want to go? Um, but he, but uh, Andrew Wimsett posted the first minute and a half of the first fifth column episode on no, Twitter see. 42 minutes ago. Why? And, uh, Why is this? I mean, honestly, like we got away with Why? it the first time. Just leave it alone. My wife did not like that joke. Which one? The, the uh, That joke. 
Well, I don't think that that's surprise the, Is fisting? that in the first minute and a half? Yes. It's in the first 57 seconds <laughs> oh, okay. is when the surprise fisting comes around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we're, I, I was just going to revisit that. But when, <laughs> when I'll, I'll come and close my laptop. Yeah. While, while yeah. we're talking about uh, comedians, I think let's just make this seamless transition because yeah. it was pointed out to me because I'm not an Apple Plus uh, subscriber. I think I have a free one with like mm-hmm. an Apple watch I got or mm-hmm. something, but I haven't cashed it in. That uh, our friend Andrew Sullivan went on to uh, the increasingly annoying John Stewart's show in which he lectures America about how terrible they are and uh, to talk about race. And you sent this to me, Camille, uh, today, and I watched it and I was totally flabbergasted by it. But what's worse is that I backed up and there was an intro because it was just like a clip. It wasn't the whole show. It was on YouTube. They had like a 19 minute clip, um, which I guess is more than a clip. It's the segment, but it's introduced by John Stewart doing a monologue about race in America. And dear God in heaven, we can get to how shabbily Andrew is treated, um, but did you guys both watch the intro? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, yeah. It, it, no, I just, it, Camille, you watched the intro, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so at various points in this intro... <laughs> Right. So, first of all, a long time ago, I wrote something actually for a reason about my irritation with the supposed heroic John Stewart, um, you know, confrontation mm-hmm. with uh, Tucker Carlson and um, what's his name? The, Paul Begala. Uh, pa- right? Paul Begala yeah. on, yeah, on the Crossfire. Crossfire. And I went back and watched it at the time. And if you watch it, it is actually pretty incoherent. Mm-hmm. And people were excited that he was just stepping up and saying, you know, uh, cable news is terrible and everything. And he's like, you're hurting America. Stop <laughs> this it. Thing. Just stop just it. Stop it. You're hurting yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. And then no one has actually gone back. Like, if you made predictions about the Iraq war, people are going to go back and, and you know, crucify you for them. And that's that's fair. That's what we do. No one ever went back and looked at how media developed since then and proved that John Stewart was being utterly foolish and like oh that that's not true look at tucker carlson today it's like yeah but msnbc happened john stewart happened yeah and he is doing that now and so i watched this thing and he's talking about so there's one bit of it that i thought was really astonishing um he has a lineup of people uh talking about how racism is solved in america and you just have to work hard uh and everything will be okay and they cut back to him. And of course he does the, Duh, like the confused look. That's like 90% of his so-called punchlines. And um, there is one bit in which um, Anthony Scaramucci oh, is saying, saying like uh, he says uh, about LeBron James. Um, this, I, I, this is a quote that they have. It's one single quote. It's um, he says that Le- LeBron James is, is like the greatest guy in the world. Uh, LeBron James is a great American success story. Yes. That's what he says. And it cuts back to, to John Stewart saying, how can America be racist if Cleveland has a championship? And everyone laughs. I tracked that clip down. It literally has nothing to do with race. Oh my God. And it's not only the fact that these are very facile, flimsy arguments. It's this is Brian Stelter. yeah, Yeah. Is Brian Stelter saying, um, I did notice you took Le- Le- LeBron James' side this weekend, Anthony, in his tiff between Trump and James. Is this an example of what you mean by him needing 
to change his communication style. Talking about Trump. Him is Trump. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I don't agree with what the president is saying about LeBron James. I tweeted about it three, uh, about two or three weeks ago before he said this stuff about Don Lemon and LeBron James last night. I just disagree. That doesn't mean I can't be on his team. Now, if he doesn't want me to be on his team because I disagree with him on a few things, that's fine. I'll let him decide. But, you know, I think Melania, the first lady, is actually in the same camp as me about LeBron. And Stelter says, right, LeBron James is a great American success story. That's the clip. That's there's the clip. No, there's no race in no. there. And so, there's no, like, we're talking about affirmative action. I think it comes in later or something. And but here but, is. Here's yeah, the, but, like, no. this is used as this setup. And this is a guy that brutalized, you know, cable news back in the day for being. For being dishonest. For being dishonest and being, you know, and does an episode recently about how the media is terrible and everything. Mm-hmm. And does this thing in which, and I want to hear your uh, take on this, Camille, because I know you watched it too and you sent it over, is that. All this stuff, like white people are pretending this problem of racism is new. White people haven't been told about who is this elusive white people that they're ta- that he's talking about and are worried because about, he's apparently not one of them and are worried about their privileges being uh, supplanted and taken over. And that's the source of their discomfort is that they feel like they're being actively replaced in some way yeah. by black people. That's- and, and, and are there people that think that? I'm sure there are. And I actually know that for a fact that there are, um, are, do they make a majority of the country? Do they make 1% of the country is something you maybe want to look into. But this segment, which precedes Andrew coming on, on a, on a panel, which Andrew said he was, you know, sandbagged, but it is one of the most absurd visions of the development of, you know, like sort of counter racism strategy. I can't say anti-racism anymore from the sixties, seventies, eighties, you know, all the money that have gone to programs, the things that people have tried, et cetera. And so he has these numbers that show, you know, this is what it looked like to be black in 1980. This is what it is today. These numbers haven't changed or if not, it's even gotten worse. So I'm not sure what the argument is, is that, is that there's more racism now than ever, because that's not true. It's, you know, transparently not true, but that is kind of the theme of this whole thing. And then he goes back in history to show we've been hearing about this for a long time. And he shows a clip of Angela Davis, which is really something else. Um, and if you don't know anything about Angela Davis, the former uh, vice presidential cam- candidate for the American Communist Party and frequent visitor to East Germany, the Soviet Union, Cuba, et cetera. And somebody who was um, on the run for supplying a gun that uh, killed a judge in a takeover courtroom uh, by George Jackson's brother in, I think, Oakland. Um, and he was shot in the head when the gun was taped to his neck. Um, when they were making the getaway, the gun went off and killed the judge. Uh, that gun was registered to Angela Davis and she went on the run. Um, but you know, look, there's a, there's a, I mean, you look at all this stuff. These are not the people you want to be calling on to, to make the case that things were incredibly unjust in w- which they obviously were. But I'm not even sure of what the argument is, but the base argument is that we as white Americans think that this is all new and it was BLM that created this awareness but i'm just going to say this very brief thing and i want to hear camille's response to this, is that the fact that it's taken over in the way that it has does not mean that this is new it means that there's something poisonous about the debate when it's become one of coercion when it's become one of you know sort of riots occasionally and then of course there's a guy there's a, they throw a woman off the riots and she's like, we, we're burning this place down. You, why do we burn down our own neighborhoods? We don't own these neighborhoods. What? That's not true. That's literally not true. You, if people burn down the neighborhood in Bed-Stuy, which is, you know, I don't know what percentage is still a majority black neighborhood. 
Most people own those apartments. A lot of people do. Some don't. But even if they're burning them down, there's shits in there. Like, I don't even know what these arguments are anymore. But it's this sort of finger wagging thing from some, you know, you know, multimillionaire who lives in New Jersey saying, you guys don't get it, but I do. And I've been aware of this for a long time, but you haven't. I don't know who he's speaking to. I don't know who these people are because what the premise is, if you disagree with his read, that means you, you know, we have a white people problem, which is the name of the episode and you don't get it. And that's what they, they did to Andrew. So anyway, Camille, you watched the beginning and the Andrew thing. I'm sure you loved it. I thought it was the best TV of the year, right? Isn't that what you said? No, I mean, it was, it was extraordinarily bad. Um, I, I've seldom seen, um, anything from anyone who's, who's ostensibly smart and well-informed, um, that is more kind of forcefully incurious, um, and unoriginal and sanctimonious and cliche. And it, it, it's one of those things where you've encountered all of these pathetically bad arguments before, and they're, they're not even arguments. It's merely moral preening. I mean, the, the, the whole thing, it opens with reparations and his assertion, his opening joke is about how reparations is what you do if you're interested in righting the wrongs, which essentially suggests that anyone who disagrees with this proposition, which is not, it's not a, a fundamental claim. It's not empirical. This is a, a political belief of John Stewart's apparently. But if you disagree with this, then you are fundamentally racist. You live on a different planet and you don't know what's going on. You can't possibly understand these issues. Any white person who doesn't support this is the problem. But the assertion is often made all over and over again that the people who disagree with the positions, with the arguments that John Stewart is offering are white people. And that's, yeah. that's it. Those are the only yeah. possible people who could disagree. Um, which, of course, is obviously not true. People like Barack Obama have suggested that reparations are not a good idea, <laughs> not the right way to to ameliorate for the, uh, uh, for these past harms. Um, <clears throat> but I think, you, as, as you alluded to, Moynihan, there are all of these like really weird attributes of this presentation. The woman who shows up, um, and I made note of that as well, the hysterical lady who suggests that we burn down our neighborhoods um, because it's not ours. We don't own anything. That is explicitly untrue. It's followed mm. by Doc Rivers, coach, a millionaire, um, <laughs> yeah. coach in the NBA, weeping on television, saying in an interview, we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. I don't even know what the fuck that he's a, means. He's a millionaire. I don't know what that means. What is Doc Rivers talking about? People cheer for him and the teams that he coaches. He's won championships. He's attained all manner of success in this country. And it is nothing but absurd, paranoid hyperbole to suggest that America does not love you back on account of your blackness. There's, in, fairness, there's all- in, fair, in fairness, Doc Rivers did work for Donald Sterling. <laughs> it's a little bit more arduous than most people have to deal As with. As a demonstration of his racism, employed him in a yeah. multi-million dollar job and, and then paid, a bunch of, paid a bunch of other people <laughs> millions and millions of dollars a year well, it's, to it's be also, professional It's also a testament to, to America. But whatever. That, you know. When you record that and put it out into the universe, it's time to quit. <clears throat> there's, there's very many places in which you record something like that about a, you know, minority group, a unfavored ethnic group or uh-huh. religious group, and it's cheered you keep or ignored. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, that, I mean, we think of something like Russia. For that's instance. how you know nothing has changed in America because Donald Sterling was fired. That's, yeah. I mean, that was, it, it was Al Campanis fired when he said what he said back in the day. Yeah. 
Yeah. He yeah, was. he was. And Donald Sterling, unlike Al Campanis, was on <laughs> Nightline TV. with yeah. Ted Koppel yeah. to celebrate <clears throat> Jackie Robinson. Like, it's, uh, what, yeah. is, what are you doing? And Al I Campanis mean, had, had had a great track record, yeah, actually. Yeah, and was actually as, pretty good. And but, it was but, enlightened on, on issues of race, but he fucked it up. And, but, and but it's always like, like, like Donald could, Sterling, in, in mm, comparison, yeah. that was a leaked thing. One of the only people who mentioned that ever was uh, Bill Maher, actually. Um, and I think we probably talked about it a little bit at Reason, and we might have even talked about it here on this podcast. Uh, I don't know, six years, a long time, but um, that the reason why we know Donald uh, Sterling said it's like mistress was, or girlfriend was, right? yeah, yeah, someone leaked out his like phone messages or something. Mm-hmm. And so are we good with that being enough to hang somebody? And the answer was enough people were good with that. And that's how yeah, it went. And that's fine. I yeah. had no problem with him being being railroaded for that because, you know, that's just you should know, number one, even if you disagree with that, you should know that that's a third rail that if you are in that position and most of the people in your employ are not honkies like you. That's a re- especially bad thing. And at that also point too. Sterling is someone who lived in L.A. for a long time. Um, everyone knew he was a scumbag. And yeah. And he was. And, and he's is he dead now? I hope so. Yeah. He's, he's sure. old and a total scumbag. But, you know, that the, the thing about all this stuff is is allowing this thing that America is a thing. Right. America doesn't do X or Y. America's not a thing. I mean, is America a thing when Donald Trump is president for four years. Is that a different America than when Barack Obama is president for four, eight years, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I, by, by this kind of, I mean, when you also say that, you know, white people don't understand X or Y, I'm not, which polls are you using and what are you measuring? Because if you're measuring, do white people agree with Jon Stewart? The, the, I really hope the answer is no. And because watching him kind of get his finger on the pulse of race relations and saying like, we need to f- talk about what it, it was like Robin D'Angelo on overdrive. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the panelists was the gal from race for dinner who organizes like, Oh, were they Mau Mau white people? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, d- dinner, yeah. And, and she, uh, was she a white? I, I'm not sure. If Probably. She, I have yeah, no idea. Really, yeah. It's kind of difficult to say. I mean, um, it's a race, race to dinner. Race two, yeah, dinner, yeah, yeah. which well, is kind of four dinner, get, yeah. race two dinner, in which you pay money to have the worst dinner, thousands of, of dollars. <laughs> you pay thousands of dollars, and it's only yeah. it's only white women, I believe. Yeah. She as she mentioned during the program when Andrew was on, she doesn't she doesn't talk to white men. Why would not do that anymore? Because because yeah. uh, they're all, all white men are yes, yes, yes. But but by the way, it is like an S and M session for white women. You just go and you're abused <laughs> for fucking two hours and told. And like these are people when you sign up for that who are willing to be brutalized about their own views. I mean, there's a cultish aspect of to this of like, come and we will, we will clean your mind. And if you don't know this, I might have views that are incompatible with this, you know, insane woman's views. And I will give you money. It's Scientology, basically. I mean, you know? our black, it's going clear. Are black people, such as that is a term that exists, and we can acknowledge, Camille, that some people don't agree with that term. But, it's a nonsense uh, term. It's are they I the people it. who yeah. are buying books that are titled Nice White Racism? No, it's no. white people. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are they well, the, the, books, the books are written for them. Robin D'Angelo makes it very clear that her books are written for, for white people. Yes. Because she knows exactly what black people are thinking. That they, yeah, they yeah. have As a minds, yeah. minds filled with paranoid delusions that every white person wants to murder them or something along those So lines. there is the self-flagellation thing. And that, that was – my experience watching um, even the first three minutes of the Stewart segment, um, like the lead up up till uh, Andrew Sullivan got uh, asked on, um, it was that kind of 
It was a similar disillusionment than with Will Smith. Not even that I held either of them in, in particularly high regard. I probably held Stuart more because he's made me laugh a couple of times. I don't really care about Will Smith one way or the other. But like when you see a man do that thing, it's like, oh, God, that's just an awful thing that uh, awful people do. And even if you apologize and, you know, he resigned from the most whatever thing today um, and apologized. But like that's fine. That's on you. But I'm just not going to be like freelancingly respecting you or wanting to yeah. see you ever again. Yeah. And Stewart's lead up to this was so bad. It was because bad. The, it conceit, was bad. the conceit was finally, we're going to have an honest conversation about race. Yes. Where have you been? My question to him is where has he been? I mean, you wrote Moynihan and we've mentioned this once yeah. or twice before yeah. early on when I came back to reason to be the editor, I think yeah. um, you wrote this piece about, and like it was a, a hopeful piece. It was yeah. a hopeful piece that turned out. I was out, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Turned very out very like, wrong. Yeah. To predict wrongly, but it was very interesting to, to read about where kind of uh, intellectual treatments of race were in America at the sort of dawn of the Obama era. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and this was uh, the piece already at that point, this 2008, 2007, yeah. um, was looking back on the debates about such that had happened in the late 80s and the 90s yeah, the and 90s, early yeah. on. Um, like weirdly people have been talking about this and Andrew Sullivan, uh, Camille had referenced, he wrote a a long piece about, um, his appearance and things that are brought up by it. And it wasn't Andrew's best moments at all. He was sort of sandbagged. He was remote. Um, he stammered. They were in studio. He he stammered through parts and whatever. But like the um, account that he wrote on his, on his sub stack though, helps to put that into some context. He was not expecting what happened to him yeah. at all which yeah if it's you know, at all like people cover happened. themselves in shame it was already a shitty performance to combine with that them being exceedingly dishonest about what it was they were doing the in order to get him on it, yeah it's just like are you kidding but Fuck when you, when you watch that intro i mean and you see these quotes from people or these clips of people which are very weirdly um chosen i, I mean like the the scaramucci one i mean i could tell you you probably find more people saying worse things on television i don't know why they chose that stuff find it yeah um but the thing is, is that just, I mean, people know this, but it's, you know, important to remember, like people don't realize when they're watching a reality show and somebody's coming into the house and the camera's already in the house and they don't realize that because you're watching reality TV. You're like, wait, how did the camera get in there if there's this big surprise coming? That's this kind of stuff you don't realize because you don't realize that these people didn't go out to write this intro and do a series of kind of, you know, this exposition on X or Y race issue. And we're going to deep, uh, you know, delve deep into this. They went out looking for things. Greatest hits. They had an idea in mind and they said, this is true and we're going to go find it. Right. And so that's what they do. And the the weird thing about it was there was another little clip um, of the writer's room. They do this kind of separate bonus Mm -hmm. kind of thing of the writer's Mm -hmm. room. And you realize then is that I'm guarantee you could probably find John Stewart saying, or any of the people in the writer's room, if they were important at all, if they, I don't know if they are, I don't know who they are, um, saying that people in Trump world, for instance, are living in their own universe in which they don't communicate with the rest of America. And they talk about these things that don't matter to other people's in, to people in America. It's kind of what's the matter with Kansas, right? You don't even know what's good for you and you're voting for these lunatics. When I watched even a second of that, I mean, I'm sitting there going like, do they have any idea how deep into the bubble there, I don't know if it can be deep in a bubble, but how deep into this pit 
of, you know, we're just affirming everything that everyone believes. And you see, imagine writing that no one's going to be in there dissenting and saying, well, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if, you know, we are just as bad off as we were kind of five, 10 years ago. And it makes you think about all the things that happened in the wake of George Floyd, in the wake of um, Trayvon Martin, in the wake of uh, the Michael Brown stuff. And I think 2014, 15, that all of these things happened, right? And we criticized a lot of them, whether it's corporations doing their kind of moral preening or, you know, people introducing bits of legislation or saying, you know, we're going to have a justice who is a black female, et cetera. And to go and to look at that and say beyond LBJ's great society and the war on poverty and things like that. And to just say that, like, now we're ready to have a conversation. Those were not conversations. What were they? Were they monologues to us? Did I mean, people disagreed. And I think they're right to disagree about this stuff. And you show clips of Bill O'Reilly saying, like, if you work hard, you can be Oprah Winfrey. Like, people think like that. If you're showing clips of Bill O'Reilly. You ain't got shit, dude. He's, I mean, he's been off stage for five years. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, John Stewart's operating in a universe in which he had a show called The Daily Show, which, you know, it's nourishment were Bill O'Reilly clips and then cut back to the arched eyebrow going, huh? Like, that was the joke. That's the joke now. He's going, huh? And um, no, I think it's a disgrace. I think it's a disgrace because I think it's dishonest. I think if you want to have a, nobody wants to have a conversation. This is the idea. We're having a conversation about race. And then you bring Andrew on and you sort of mow-mow him and berate him. And fine, if you disagree with him, great. But there was, that wasn't facilitating a conversation. It was telling people it was like, that was the premise of the episode. The problem with white people is Andrew Sullivan is people like Andrew Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it, it was replete with all of the, the standard cliches. Listen to black people. Uh, we, we don't need to have black people explain anymore. They've explained it so many times before yeah. that there's un- uniformity of thought among all black people. So they all feel exactly the same way, which even if it were true, um, I, I'm not sure that that earns you much. Uh, when I, when I hear, I mean, one of the the big moments for John, and I, I remember making note of this in particular, was when he made this very bold statement um, that America has always prioritized white comfort over black survival. What the fuck? That's I don't the even, language of that nonsense. Again, it, yeah. it's this is this is it's nonsense talk. Squishy language. It doesn't mean anything, and it doesn't yeah. matter if you believe it firmly. It doesn't yeah. matter if every black person you've ever met believes it. That is not an empirical statement. It is some ridiculous, over the top hyperbolic claim that cannot be substantiated. And I think the difference, the fundamental difference between people like us um, and people like Jon Stewart um, is that there isn't this presumption that all of the awfulness that has happened throughout history has perhaps only happened in America, or even specifically that the specific awfulness of slavery, of Jim Crow, of redlining, et cetera, et cetera, can have an easily explicable easily under easily easy to interpret impact on the world that we live in today that we can attribute all disparities to those bad things that happen mm-hmm. or even that disparities ought to matter more than the fundamental fact that people suffer disadvantage mm-hmm. like the fact is that when we talk about poverty or any any other awful thing that actually happens to people in America like genuine hardship that people suffer there are more white kids impoverished in America than black kids. Why is it that we are talking about these issues mm, as if only black people 
are suffering Camille, these Camille, things, Camille. as if black people are the principal people who suffer these things? Is it principally because of the fact that these disparities exist? Would it be less awful if the next child who was suffering in poverty was black as opposed to white? Do we care? Would these people stop it with all of the nonsensical hysterical talk if tomorrow X percent more white people were impoverished and therefore we had equity in the suffering with respect to which racial groups were suffering, but more people overall were suffering? And if I listen to them talk, I have to believe that they would stop complaining about these things because they don't actually care about suffering per se. They care about particular suffering. They care about particular kinds of disadvantage. And there's something that I think is actually pretty monstrous about that. And I think people like us tend to believe that individuals ought to be respected, that, the, that there ought to be dignity granted to every single individual, and that there is probably not an advantage for disadvantaged people to, to ignore the fact that they lack things and to talk about them in the context of their race in particular, to blur the lines between impoverished black people and middle-class black people and wealthy black people and just say, well, black people are suffering in America. When I see John Stewart's writer suggest that when he walks past a police officer, he has to worry about whether or not his phone is sufficiently charged because he's afraid he'll be murdered and that anyone who can walk past the police officer and not think that way is privileged. I think to myself, well, I, I suppose that's true, but that's because you're a paranoid lunatic. Police I mean, have I feel millions of interactions per day. Yeah. They don't murder everyone they see. They don't murder 5% of every of the people they see. Where, and they certainly they don't murder 80% the of the black people they see. It's an absurd did he specify that it's hysterical crime. Or, or black cops, too. No, he didn't. say, like, if they do that show in the tri-state area, or yeah. even in New York City, like I make a point these days uh, in the New York City subways to whenever I see a cop, um, to make eye contact and say, hi, how are you? Or something like that. Because um, you're afraid? Because uh, be not because I'm a freak. I'm, I'm white. I'm privileged. I'm, I'm pulling the Eddie Murphy shit, dude. Uh, no, because just take it. You don't have to pay it. Back. I want <laughs> killing there darkies to be, today. Yeah, I want there to be say. more cops in the subways right now because the subways have gone to shit. They're crazy, uh, yeah. and so like I want to, I want to like boost the morale. And so when I'm, you know, doing my my little uh, pro cop thing in, in the subway, um, to almost never do white. A white dude. I, I just like, I can't remember the last time I saw the last that. white cop well, I saw NYPD was in, in this studio, yeah. and he's Yael's like super gay friend. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Like like it's black women are the cops. But you notice that there's there's a thing that I, I guess I'm going to call it. I'm going to give it a name: the paranoid hypothetical. So oh, what sweet. happened after Ukraine, I, this, I did a solo Patreon podcast just addressing this idea that nobody cares about what's happening in Yemen, but they care about what's happening in Ukraine. And I pointed out why things like this happen. And it's not the reason that people think it is. I mean, it's just sort of, you know, subterranean racism makes you care because white people are being killed. That's, you know, Nicole Hannah-Jones had like 85 tweets about this, but the woman has no sense of, you know, even a shallow sense of history they would explain this sort of thing and, you know, go subscribe and go listen to it. But the version of this, as Camille points out, and what happens in the John Stewart thing is let's compare how television in the 1980s treated the crack epidemic versus television now 
many, 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 many years later, as these are not comparable <laughs> things, 30 yeah, 35, years later, 35, 35 years, 40 years later, how does that, in, and also this is completely phony, right? You're going to pay, he it literally accused of Bill Moyers of being racist in this clip because mm-hmm. Bill Moyers says the black ghetto, which was the nomenclature that one used at the time. And, you know, he goes on, I mean, Bill Moyers is a very famous, like conservatives hated him because yeah. he had, he had a lefty program on, yeah. on, um, PBS. And this they said, is when, we shouldn't be when, this. when Stuart was talking about the empathy gap when it comes to covering yes, poverty. Yes. And like so they, it's, we <laughs> care about these white people in the opioid epidemic. We and care we about Appalachians and, yeah, and poverty. Yeah. And, and it's, and, and by the way, this isn't true. I mean, the idea that there isn't these ideas like this, this kind of image of toothless hillbillies, you know, smoking meth or whatever the fuck you do with it. Um, but, but more than anything, it's like they're showing this footage and we've pointed this out before that the Congressional Black Caucus was, you know, instrumental in pushing in these, these um, sending d- d- disparities because, you know, it's ruining our neighborhoods. Nobody cares. So when you say nobody cares and you put more cops in there and you prosecute these people with, uh, with more vigor, then that becomes a problem, right? But the thing that we're not, like you show these images from the 80s and stuff, the, and, and it cuts back to Stuart and he says, you know, the crack epidemic was bad. It, 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 he's acknowledging it's an epidemic, right? In saying that. But the thing that was the problem was the rampant violence. That was huge, right? The, like, so in, in, in Cape Cod, there's been all this like coverage of like all these people dying of opioids in Cape Cod. And this sort of surprises people. There's not mass shootings. There's not, you know, we're, we're trying to warring over this corner and look at the shootings in New York city in the period of the quote unquote crack epidemic. There was an enormous number of people that they're picked up for crack. They also have a gun on them and these things like there's just these small fundamental differences, which when you are somebody who is doing the thing that you, it, pretended to loathe back in the day was this kind of cheap cable news version of complicated issues. You just say, well, that's clearly because no one cares about black victims of crime and drug abuse. And they care so much about the white victims. They have the empathy for those people. And you're going to find some quote because you can find anything big country. You can find any quote on any MSNBC, I could do a thing that says the M- the liberal media and the MSNBC believes X. Give me a topic. I'll cut the video that proves that because it's 24 fucking hours of programming and people say dumb shit. Does that mean that what percentage of people in America believe this? And if they do hear this on TV, they must sort of by osmosis assimilate these views and hold them themselves. It is cheap. It is beneath him. In the fact that anyone would want, I mean, and I know that people watch this stuff and say, yeah, he hit the nail on the head because he gave me a couple of clips of Bill Moyers, of all fucking people, that says, yeah, no one cared about the crack epidemic, which, by the way, the response of law enforcement was because they were trying to care. That's actually mm-hmm. true. And you can look this I mean, up. Charles, Charles Rangel wanted the death penalty. For he drug wanted the dealers. death penalty for drug the dealers because they were ruining his because they were district. killing young black kids. Yes. If you if you actually cared about these issues, you would send in the send in the Marines. You would lock these yes. people up, have extended sentences for drug dealers and murder, murder them. Capital punishment for drug dealers. That's right. That's the idea. The idea to re- reiterate what you're saying, Michael, uh, that we have not wanted to have a conversation about race the 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 phrase conversation about race i'm usually you know against um you know censorship and whatnot can we just 
like yeah. delete <laughs> conversation. If I were Charles Wrangler, I'd say about, death penalty for people yeah. who who say <laughs> conversation about race. Because I mean that this episode was not a conversation about race. No, it was a an, monologue about how people have the wrong ideas. Yeah, about like <laughs> who is a group of people that we can collectively demonize as being the source of the problem yeah. that we're saying about race and that we're not going to have a conversation uh, with them. We're going to have a, an insult session yeah. towards them. And I'm not saying this like, Oh, poor Andrew Sullivan. No, fuck Andrew Sullivan. I love Andrew Sullivan. He's a nice guy in the balls and the, and the tide pools. Tide pools. Yeah. We all know about it. <laughs> well, um, brave. That's he, brave. By he, the way. he can defend himself. That's not the point. The point is like, don't bullshit yourself about having a conversation. How that like only, because of George Floyd. Are we finally talking about it? Yeah. My motherfuckers, we were talking about yes, that yeah. in Ferguson in 2014. We were talking about that with Trayvon Martin. We talk about it all the time because it's a thing in America. It's an indictment of John Stewart. The whole it is. It really is. I look for because those. Of you I have been talking who, about this. Everybody else has been talking about this. I was talking about this in sixth and seventh grade when we watch Roots. And absolutely. I mean, we had conversations. If you think they were insufficient, I probably would agree with you. I think there's some things that were totally off, but this this overcorrection in which we talk about the feelings. It's very squishy, all this stuff yeah. of white people and how they never feel comfortable. This is the Robin D'Angelo stuff. Yeah. And where is that discomfort, by the way? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah. but like you had mentioned it earlier, like, um, you know, the problem is that, uh, you know, it's always about white people's. Show me the evidence. What is the discomfort? There's a Bill Morris clip from 1986 that I can show you four seconds of. <laughs> what is the evidence that I have discomfort yeah. About talking about race, or that you do, or that anybody else who doesn't necessarily agree with well, I mean, reparations. I think, I think John John Stewart is uncomfortable talking about race. I mean, I Ooh. think John John Stewart suggested, and and I remember sending around the article what last week because I, I I saw a post about uh, a conversation that he had with um, what's his name the uh, uh, talk radio. Sullivan. No, 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 no. Serious, Serious XM. Who? I sent you guys the thing. You didn't even read it. You guys are not reading the, the messages. No, I did. Oh, I just wow, don't remember wow. who was who was a serious. The private parts was the name of his book. Uh, oh, Howard Stern. Yeah, Howard Stern. Yeah, yeah. So John yeah. Stewart is talking to Howard Stern, and John Stewart is complaining about the fact that media elites won't come on his podcast and have a mm -hmm. conversation with him about the media industry. They just mm -hmm. won't. They won't be called to account. They won't talk about the the quality or lack thereof of their media product. And it was this was very frustrating for him. Um, and I am very frustrated uh, by John Stewart. John Stewart seems narrowly interested in talking to people who agree with him. And to the extent he talks to people who disagree with him about these issues, he brings on Andrew under false pretenses. Um, they have him on and he, he accosts him. He yells at him. He screams at him. He calls him a motherfucker. Um, he has all sorts of derogatory things to say about him during that recording and afterwards, apparently, That's in what's a conversation, called a conversation with, uh, with, that race. with Isabel Wilkerson uh, about her ridiculously bad book, um, Cast. Um, and, and I imagine he's never talked to anyone who might be able to unpack the counterarguments here or might be inclined to even respectfully suggest that there is a different way to look at these issues. Um, and I, and I humbly submit to John that he is being, um, obnoxious, sanctimonious, and yeah. forcefully incurious. And, and, I, and I have to imagine that you, your just, podcast, you, just your don't, you just don't actually care about yeah. these issues. Yeah. What you care about is, is um, the pretense. You care about pandering 
Um, you, your conviction is that all black people are victims, that they're all disadvantaged, that none of them will be okay until you do something to help them. Um, and it's possible, John, must be possible to overstate the problem. It's possible, John, to indulge in like actual paranoia, the belief that police officers are killing black Americans left and right, that it's, it's open season on black people when we know that police involved shootings, like deaths when, with respect to police encounters have plummeted. <laughs> They've gone yeah. down that, the, that there's maybe a thousand of them over the course of a year. And most of them involved armed people. Like the facts ought to matter here, John, for someone who claims to be interested in that sort of thing. But what you seem to be interested in is, is bludgeoning people who you insist are racist on um, people who are, are my close friends, people who I have a great deal of respect for, um, people who believe earnestly that there are complicated, important conversations that we could have and people who understand that simply shouting racism doesn't actually alleviate poverty. It doesn't actually cut the crime rate in Chicago where murder is de facto legal because the clearance yeah. rates don't actually, I mean, it, yeah. it's no one gets caught for murder in Chicago, John, and that's not white supremacy. And at least shouting white supremacy doesn't explain how we do anything to fix it. Yeah. So if you actually get curious about these issues beyond the, the, the echo chamber that is your writer's room, maybe you'll have a conversation, not necessarily with me, although you should, um, but with someone else, someone who has something interesting to say about these issues as opposed to the same old cast of characters um, to whom you are, are now completely enthralled. But I don't know. No, Maybe but you get, here's the thing that's, that's unique about this conversation. It's unique that you get virtue credits for things, for saying, you know, a very particular line, right? I mean, I try to think of some other issue that is contentious in the American debate, in the global mm. debate, in which people are so sure about the answer that they will bring, the, I'm going to construct this episode. John Stewart's going to do something about Ukraine, uh, which I think he did one. It's going to be one that has some curiosity in it. That's like, how did this happen? What's going on? He had a good one about energy, actually. That, uh, like, sure. Hey, look, you know what? Fossil fuels have helped. Yeah. And, and, can, and, we, can we say that? Yeah. Isn't, that, say isn't that, that what makes this so frustrating? Because we've seen him do that. Like, yeah, recently. only we've seen one him do that. issue yeah. in which you go at this issue with this moral assurance. And that incredulity is, is applauded. Yes. And, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And like every time somebody disagrees with you, you're like, you're a motherfucker. You arch an eyebrow. You say, what the fuck is and wrong the with these You don't even live on this fucking planet, man. That's yeah. not an answer, John. That it's is not a crank. rebuttal to an argument. The that solution is, is to crank up the moral outrage. 10 is not enough. 11 yeah. is not enough. If we get to 13, yeah. it's finally going to be the decisive thing. Like you should, that should be a moment of pause. You Sack don't even live on ashes. this planet. Imagine <laughs> thinking that about any issue. I mean, we've had Wes Lowry on this show. We've had a lot of people mm -hmm. that we disagree with. Yep. And I'm always curious to hear what they think. And sometimes I find them... The, the, you know, some of the arguments I find that's sort of persuasive in some ways, and that's something to deal with. And you kind of realign your views with these things. Um, that was not what was happening here. And the, the thing that bugs me about it so much was that's what made John Stewart extra famous as a crusader was showing up that day on crossfire and saying, you guys are quote unquote hurting America. 
because of these soundbite visions of the world mm. that I am going to ultimately do 20 years later about race. And if you disagree with me, you're going to be screamed at, you're going to be mow-mowed, you're going to be called a racist because there is one answer. And if you don't see it, if you don't see it my way or the way of the people that are on this panel, you must be living on a different planet. This is a person that I can guarantee you, you can find him saying, I don't know if this is true, but I, I'm pretty sure that it is. Find him saying that the polarization is too is too much in this. We're I mean, so sure about it. It's ourselves. the rally to restore sanity. Michael exactly. This is the rally to restore sanity in which you, you know, call upon somebody who called for a novelist to be murdered. But that's fine. You know, <laughs> thank you, Cat Stevens. But this, this kind of... Yusuf. Yusuf Islam. If you do this sort of thing... And you get, you have, I mean, watch this show with that sort of thing in mind. This, this idea that we need to restore sanity. There needs to be sort of some balance in the debate. Too much tea party back then. Too much Trump in the, in the modern world. And everyone's lost their damn minds. And then there's an issue in which you become the virtuous white guy that comes on and says, look at all you white people. You don't get it. I'm this millionaire <laughs> guy who sits in my farm in New Jersey, but you don't get it. Come on. At least, <laughs> at least Crossfire had like two corners of the ring. That was it. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't a referee saying this is the outcome. Yes, from the beginning, Crossfire was more of a debate, an uh, intellectual exchange by far. Than yeah, because Andrew than would have had John someone in his corner. He would have had another person in his corner. I mean, but this is this is not what happened in this episode. I thought it was very very scummy. I was really, really disappointed because I like the guy too. I mean, I think I he's funny and I think I he's don't interesting. Want to, I, after watching this and again, watch it, people watch it even five minutes, let alone 20. Um, I don't want to see Jon Stewart anymore. I don't. I, I truly, that just Seriously. turned me off. I talked to somebody who's friends with him last night uh, who expressed something very similar. Said, I'm an old friend of his. And I think you know who I'm talking about and was like, this is like very, very disappointing to see that particular performance. Wow. Colbert told that to you? <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, Colbert is another one. You saw I that, mean, that geez, thing. I, I, we can he, agree. What? We can agree to disagree on this. I, I'm, I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to see him. I want to talk to him. I don't yeah. want to watch him. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to watch another performance like that. I, it's I find, performative. I find it not, all, that's, that I find was the complaint about fucking yes. CNN was it's performative, yeah. you know, and that's what you're doing. You're yelling at people. You're saying, look at how righteous I am about this, this issue. And none of it, by the way, none of it had any prescriptions, none whatsoever, and really actually got to the root of the problem. You would have a chart on the screen that said, see what it was like in 1988 mm. and see what it's like now. It's even worse now by a couple percentage points. You don't think I could find some other charts in which that is reversed, in which things have gotten much better? I can. And I looked them up. And like you're you're cherry picking in the way that you've accused other people of doing mm -hmm. your whole fucking career. Mm -hmm. Cable news was your target, and you became f really famous on targeting them because it was this kind of you know singularly partisan thing. And they would cherry pick things and leave out the rest of the story. It would cut back to you. You would do the arched eyebrow, go home, huh? and then like give the other part of the story. That really was one of the You've most. You've become like, it. Yeah, it was one of the most jarring moments of the of the whole program. We can move on after this, perhaps. And and folks should go find yeah. um, Andrew's um, Andrew's uh, piece about this that he wrote for his uh, Substack. Um, but when when Andrew was talking about like culture and the things that are likely to alleviate poverty or help you avoid going into poverty like 
getting married, not having kids out of wedlock, finishing school, like those, those kinds of things, which are racially agnostic, um, mm. that there are fundamental differences in terms of like the average or median um, outcomes for people. But there are also just differences in these underlying populations. Like these, these are, these are kind of facts, but all of it suggests to me like a genuine concern for people who are suffering and a meaningful curiosity about what we can do to improve their circumstances. And at one point, one of the panelists, the woman who uh, is the, the president or founder of Race to Dinner, um, she sarcastically and sneeringly says to him, like, you care about black kids. Yep. Are you kidding? Like, seriously? That's when the host should intervene, by the way. That's a host job right there. Yeah. Intervene. But it, it's just, yeah. it's monstrous. It's monstrous to see that. And, and I can acknowledge, I can acknowledge this. I disagree forcefully with Jon Stewart. I think John Stewart, what John Stewart did was shameful. I, I think it was an embarrassing performance, but I suspect that John Stewart means well. I suspect that he earnestly believes these nonsensical, contradictory, circular arguments that he deployed. I suspect. Well, why much. is it this one argument, Camille? I mean, I want to agree with you, and I, because I have respect for the guy. I like the guy, and the reason of the sort of forceful response in this particular episode is that I'm kind of shocked by it. I'm kind of shocked by the way this particular thing, you know, was, was born out. And the reason I don't know if it's, you know, in good faith is it's the only issue I've ever seen him be this disingenuous on. This one where the, where the all avenues, other avenues are closed out. I mean, this idea yeah. of out of wedlock births. I don't know the answer to this question, by the way. It's been a debate for a very long time. It's been up, it brought up for a long time, but here's mm -hmm. why. When you have, I don't know, you have a sore throat or something, and the only thing you've consumed is this one drink or something, you know, if there's a site, you go look at it. Is that the thing that's causing it? When you have those out-of-wedlock births that are so astronomically high, it's at, you know, at various points in and time. And different than 60 years ago. And different than 60 years ago. Then mm -hmm. you look at it. I don't know if that's the, the reason. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, it whatsoever. Right. But to look at that mm -hmm. and to come to that conclusion that it is something that is a factor, you would be, you know, you know, remiss in your job as a social scientist to ignore that. Mm -hmm. That would be outrageous to ignore that because that's a factor that is unique in this period in history. And it wasn't like that, say 40, 50 years ago when, you know, violence was a lot lower, et cetera. And again, it might not line up that that actually is a huge factor, but acknowledging crazy to not look at it, but acknowledging that pattern, acknowledging the fact that a pattern like that seems to exist, that there is some kind of correlation, perhaps even that there's a causal relationship that, that altering your behavior in certain ways might actually lean to lead to better outcomes is not blaming people for their circumstances. And, and what, what more if the concern here is that the disparities are the problem, that, that there are too many black people impoverished, if we were to get everything to be kind of racially equitable in terms of the, the, the proportions of suffering in the country, is, this, is the thinking that everyone else, like at you, once you get to that point, once it's, it's equitable suffering, equitable poverty, that the rest of the impoverished people will, oh, okay, no, no, no longer is this because of white supremacy. It's these people are impoverished because they deserve it. They had it coming. Are the white people who are impoverished, do they, are they less deserving of our empathy and our concern because it wasn't foisted upon them because they've benefited from a world and a system mm. of privilege and still managed to find themselves point, yeah. in destitute situations? Or maybe No, the, fuck the, no. Of course not. That's maybe absurd. Maybe the argument is that, and it's a, a terrible argument, I think, is that 
once whites are at the whites are at parity <laughs> with everybody else in uh, in the trouble, um, then finally they will care about trouble. It's absurd. Um, which yeah, is or a similar to that, thing. Or, yeah, or to being the point talked about with COVID. Yeah. even this week, even by Nicole Hannah Jones and other people, like the new study proves that you know the southern states uh, wanted to lift uh, COVID restrictions faster because they heard that <laughs> it was hurting black people more. I forget. It doesn't even make any sense. It's, right, it's a right. phenomenal. Once, once they all, once they all read the yeah. studies, reading studies, I'm sure they, because they are all subscribed to the New York times. That's what we that know really about Southern, Mississippi, the Southern, wa- the Southern whites in Mississippi. I, you know, I wonder what the sort of blame becomes then when you attribute all those sort of current instances of poverty and deprivation and this, all this stuff that's very real to sort of, you know, forces of history. And there's a lot that's true about that, right? I mean, it's undeniably true in so many ways. But if you, to Camille's point, if you had some sort of, you know, racial parity and poverty with people who did not have the, you know, what is now deemed like from 1619, as John, John Stewart says, to today, you have no such excuse. How do we treat people in poverty at that point? I mean, do, I mean, are they, I mean, how does one explain that there's an enormous amount of poverty amongst people who don't, who are not forced forced into this by, you know, the the history of slavery and redlining and things like that. I mean, how does one? Let's let's cut to the quick. What do we do with Asians who are poor? Do yeah. we just beat them up? Ignore, like, ignore what it. The fuck ignore, is wrong ignore, with you? We ignore. Do what we've been doing. You do what John Stewart yeah. did, and you ignore those complicating details. Yeah. You selectively focus on the racial disparities that help the narrative that you are committed to, and you ignore all of the, the complicating details. It, are things getting worse for black people? As Moynihan um, um, suggested earlier, are some of these yeah. data points actually getting worse? Eh, well, they are. Why are they getting worse? Is it because of growing and increasing white supremacy? Eh, I, I don't know. We just won't talk about it. <laughs> we'll just yeah. we'll, we'll mention it and move on from this weird, complicating detail. We'll but pretend that no one talks about one, race ever, that no one was ever around in politics who cared about these issues. There was but, never any LG, LBJ. There was never any yeah, commitment to solve it. poverty yeah, yeah. issues. We'll just don't, pretend. Don't ever try the, LGBT. Don't, nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Like, uh, like uh, my, my daughter just started to go to the uh, uh, club after school <laughs> that has a lot of like uh, letters in it. Um, you just can't. Like, yeah, the, he was actually literally trying to say LBJ. What did I say? Wait, what did I say? Yeah, LGBTQJ. Did I say that? Yeah, we were, we were going there. Yeah, I mean, it's infected well, your brain. It's it's because I'm, can, I'm simultaneously reading John Stewart's Twitter where he is he, responding again? to Andrew Sullivan right now. Yeah. Oh, right now. Well, uh, I'll look that up. But I'll, yeah. uh, let me just uh, let me end on I'll, my final point on this mm-hmm. is let's disaggregate this in some way if. White people, Asian people are impoverished, right? And there's going to be societal factors. There's going to be a number of things that create those conditions of poverty. And that's what social t- scientists try to locate. If that is true, then it, 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 it stands to reason that that will happen for every racial group, that some black people will be, you know, in poverty because of the exact same or similar circumstances to white people. That, and that would mean that not all of it is this monocausal thing. So how do we disaggregate why, how are people are in poverty? You have a television show like this in which an entire group of people are now this flattened thing that they've all, the circumstances in their life are all because of X or Y. 
And I just find it lazy. I find it stupid. I find it lazy. I find it inaccurate. And, you know, if if white people, Asian people, whatever people are in poverty, one would imagine that those conditions that put them there can affect other people, including black people. And that would mean that it's not the single cause or even the dominant cause. Who knows at this point? And historical X, Y, or Z affects everything. It affects everybody all around the world. It's important to recognize it doesn't do anything to alleviate. These are separate issues. To recognize that this is what brought somebody to the position that they're in is relevant in Northern Ireland. It's relevant in fucking Chechnya. It's relevant in, you know, Kosovo. It's relevant in decolonized places in Africa and right after the 60s and 70s. All of that is real. We can't deny that. That's a simple thing that this actually happened. What any of that ever does to, to, to change those problems created by those historical circumstances is beyond me because it's never actually the point. John Stewart did not make, create a program that gave us, I mean, the man spoke with authority about it and was quoting history from this and Angela Davis here. And here's this clip. Where was the affirmative thing that one can do to push beyond this? Even if it was reparations, I'd be like, well, you have an idea. I don't think it's a good idea, but you have a good idea. You have an, an idea, period, because there wasn't much in that. There's all this recrimination, but beyond recrimination, you need solutions. And no one, it's so fucking easy to go line up those recriminations because history is available to everybody. Get a book, open it up, it's available to you. It is not, you can, you're not James Q. Wilson. He might have been wrong, but at least he was fucking trying. You know, what is the thing that you're trying to do to make this stuff go away and make it better? As far as I can tell, you're making a TV show and you're making little clips for people on YouTube. I don't think you're doing anything to make anything better. And here's a, a, a thing to indicate people who are not interested in studying. I'm also drunk, by the way. Yeah, I know. They don't. <laughs> His voice just goes up. That's it. There's no slur. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Me, I get the slur. And a couple of slurs. Um, <laughs> Um, here's the, the tell that they're not serious about when they're not serious, I should say, about, uh, about trying to figure out how people deal with things differently is that in, in so many of these conversations, the vast majority of them, um, we don't talk about immigration. Yeah. Um, my God. Well, like in Manhattan, like six months ago, they're uh, in middle school, um, public middle school, uh, the kids woke up in the morning and they can go into one of five categories. I forget exactly what they were. One was black. One was like omnibus Asian. <laughs> one was sort of Latino and something and, and like Dominican. Um, and then one was white. Um, and maybe there was one that was like, maybe, you know, you, you obviously are racist and don't want to self-identify as the Camille. Um, uh, it was the five categories. Um, and it's so interesting because we live in New York and even we're at a, a, a low immigration time in America over the last five years, continuing on to today. But like, what actually is going to impact an individual more right now than yeah. anything else? If you come as a refugee from a poor country, your circumstance is so different than someone who is born here natively and, and poor. Like it's just different. Um, and so what are the strategies? What works? What doesn't? What is measurable? What isn't? Um, there's an incuriosity about that. And that also includes for people who share similar skin tones to Camille. I mean, that's perhaps a thing that influences or informs 
Camille's approach to these uh, these issues. It's Although different. Race is not about skin tone, as as we all know. I mean, it, it's there's a spectrum, and it's completely absurd. It doesn't make any sense. We have one drop rules and all kinds of other bullshit that inform our which, ridiculous beliefs about race, which is crazy and superstitious stupid nonsense and wrong. But like, it treats everyone in this flat category. You said the flat category of whites. There's a yeah. flat category of blacks as right. two, and all of it is is really nonsensical. Mm-hmm. And if you think about something that affects their life more than anything else, is are you a poor immigrant who came here, or is your family who came here yeah. recently? Right. Then right. you right. are right. poorer and have worse circumstances than almost any native-born person here. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's measure what what's happening in your family, and if there are successes from your group, boy, let's find out what those are sure. and like learn from them. There's a, an absolute incuriosity about that because it's not about trying to find that solution, yeah. the one-hand mm-hmm. solution. It's about trying to affix blame to a group of acceptably hateable human beings. Can, That's it. Politics I would happily fucking take organizing the blame hatreds. if we could take one step in a different direction <laughs> at this point. I'll I take mean, the blame. Got no, no, don't, yeah. don't take the blame. Moynihan, yeah. Don't take the blame. You're yeah. from Boston. Yeah. How is it not your fault? I mean, well, Colin, I was at a Boston school. And it was totally fine. I had more black friends than you ever fucking talked we, to. We mate. should, we should probably, we Robert should probably Parrish switch gears. Not your friend. <laughs> I did send him weed one time, but he signed for it. And he got arrested. So we should probably change gears. Yeah, let's um, change gears. Um, it, it it bears repeating. I'm confident it's been said on this podcast before, but it, and maybe this is me at my most patriotic. And after this, we can slag uh, Madison Cawthorn for a bit, so I, I won't feel too weird about this, but. America, for all of its defects, is the most remarkable, successful engine for creating wealth for immigrants of any background Mm -hmm. in the history of mankind. Whatever else you want to say about it, whatever awful things have transpired here, and I assure you that awful things have transpired on every fucking continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad things have be- have occurred at the hands of peoples of every hue and creed and background. They've done monstrous shit to one another and people who don't look like them, and they've imagined differences where outsiders would believe none existed whatsoever. But America, to the extent it's unique and special, um, unique specialness has something to do with the ridiculously effective and successful system of like prosperity and wealth creation and this bizarre process by which the circumstances here have gotten progressively better for most people over the course of centuries in ways that are alarming and that have had amazing spillover effects for the rest of the fucking world. That doesn't suggest that there aren't horrible foreign policy debacles that in many cases are still playing out today or any of those other things. But the truth is the truth. China can't say that shit. Russia can't say that shit. No country in Europe, which might some people might imagine to be less racist and awful, can say that shit. Certainly no place on the continent of Africa or South America can say that shit. That's got to be worth something that suggests that whatever the system is that Jon Stewart is so obsessed with, that when Andrew Sullivan asks him questions about it, it leaves leaves Jon Stewart sputtering and, and, and insulting him and swearing at him rather than answering the question in a thoughtful way. Before you destroy that amazing machine, you should maybe understand what the fuck it is and how it works. You should, you should be able to understand that it's something, something other than just the system of white supremacy. They imagine that just that phrase alone is, is some sort of magical set of spectacles. They put it on and then they can see history better. But, but these are, it's, it's some weird like prism. 
that actually yeah. makes it impossible for you to see the world for all of the rich, dynamic complexity that actually exists. Just like Isabel Wilkerson's ridiculous, idiotic book, Cast, where she imagines that, oh, you know, India has a caste system. Maybe that's the same thing that happened in America. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> that's the end. That's the end. That's Camille's useless book. book. It's like, nah, that's the that's end. Not. No, no. White and your made up stories, your made up stories about your experiences yeah. on planes. Yeah, they're lies. They're lies. And we should categorize them as lies. And much the same way that Madison Cawthorn, nice. congressman, yeah. good, the good, youngest good congressman switch. in America, yeah. um, made waves this week, made waves this week um, when he appeared on the warrior poet YouTube yeah. podcast, my favorite channel. I think that's what it's called, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Dude, um, it's called and- the, the FAP. <laughs> yeah, whoa. So there's like parties. WFAP. <laughs> Can't believe it, Dad. I need a laptop. <laughs> How many laps you got? <laughs> <laughs> but but Madison Madison went on this podcast. That's an inside joke. And and he he seemed to suggest that some of his colleagues in Congress had at some point invited him to a sex party Dude, where they were I doing fucking bumps like of this. cocaine <laughs> off of keys, <laughs> and he was outraged that this sort of thing was taking place on Capitol Hill. And this was in response to a question from the host of this, of this YouTube show um, as to whether or not Congress was just as bad as what he's seen on House of Cards. Um, and of course, and he's like, yo, it it's much totally is. worse. I can't even believe it. <laughs> he actually invoked Bill Clinton, who at some point, apparently, according to Kevin Spacey, um, at some point said to Kevin Spacey, you know, Kevin, um, the only problem with that 99% of what you do on that show is perfect. It's spot on, but 1% of it isn't. And that's that we couldn't get legislation passed. Yeah, it's called a joke as quickly as yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, it's a joke. That's, <laughs> that's what a joke. is called a punchline. Madison yeah. said, yeah. Uh, you know, a former president of the United States said this. And it just, it was so true. Couldn't it just seems so it. true. <laughs> Look at there's, yeah. one, there's dad. There's one point in which he was like, they don't like it that I'm all tatted up. And I was like, oh my God, what fucking, it's not the fifties. It's like, like yeah, 30% of the country tattooed. At yeah. Point. I think it's probably like 78%. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, yo, I can't even believe that they're inviting me to these parties. And I was like, first of all, number one, fucking go. Yeah. And then tell me, because like the guy's probably fucking with you. Because like, look at this twenty-eight-year-old dingbat. Let's say, oh yeah, we're doing key bumps off of like uh, hookers, and like, and he's like, That's well, he said gross. they did the key bumps right in front of him. He said uh, they right did in front the of key him. bumps right in yeah, front of him. Yeah, and and yeah. and this is the thing. This is the thing. Madison is willing to, he's willing to you take snitch. a key from your pocket and <laughs> put it into your little bag of cocaine, and the key acts as the vessel to to transport it into your nose. Is that true? Yes. yes. I've never nose. heard about that. Oh my god! Yeah, I, mean, once. I probably did. You know, last you know who, who knows? knows? That's what I was going to say. You know who knows what a key bump is? People who do key bumps. Madison, exactly Cawthorn. right. <laughs> Looking at What's you, up, brother. Oh, Looking at right. you. We yeah, know. You. I don't think Tippy the Turtle fucking McConnell was like, I don't, we're not doing key. I don't know why he's Jimmy Stewart. Hey, we're not doing key bumps, see? I said, no, it's all over the key bumps. No, it's totally fucking stupid. And like, you know, and Kevin McCarthy comes and says, I've talked to him. I've lost confidence in him. It's like, dude, yes. you should have lost confidence in him with the f- day you met him. But then he says, like, he admitted to me that he was overstating things or, or making it up. 
And people were like, well, why isn't he naming names? Well, let's go back to what Mitch McConnell said, because he's lying. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bullshit. a real thing. <laughs> it's bullshit. It's hard uh, to name names when you're... Now, yeah. But but let's uh-oh, entertain uh-oh, for a moment. Here's oh, the possibility. No. Because listen, this, I'm just saying, look, dude, Republicans just, aren't fun. I'm just saying, period. that's what I'm saying. Let's <laughs> entertain for a moment that yeah. Republicans can throw a kick-ass party. And at this kick-ass party, people are getting down. They are mm. having they're having sexy wild orgies where mm. they invite over Madison Cawthorn because he knows mm. how to get down. He looks like a dude who knows how to get down. I'm gonna get down I, with Madison. You, you know who's a real super freak? <laughs> you know who's a real super freak? Who's that? Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. There's stories. Oh, he was a legend. Yeah. He was always, oh. always, always at the strip clubs. Larry, Larry Flint. Flint. Yeah. Also, super freak. The guys in these yeah. chairs. He owned super a magazine freaks. that was kind of freaky. That's what I'm telling you. So there's there's at least some reason to suspect that the reason that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy was so incensed by all of this isn't because Madison Hawthorne was lying. Because politicians lie. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because he was snitching. Oh, he lost wow. their trust because Madison he was telling snitching. the truth. You can't tell the truth. No, yeah. you don't talk about Fight Club, Madison. Yeah. We are going to get you out of here. Could you imagine to going to an orgy and going around the corner? And by the way, you know he's lying because nobody calls them orgies. They're sex parties. Come on, it's not 1970. It's a fucking orgy. It's a Plato's retreat. But you imagine going around the corner and seeing like Tom Massey in like a fucking bathrobe. Like, Come on. Who's, who's going to this party? Like I would be like, a, I would go out and go on the warrior poets podcast <laughs> and tell them like, yeah, I just saw these gross guys at a party and there were like no women there they were, like, waiting for them to show up. and nobody showed up. So I'm hearing Camille say that it was Kevin McCarthy at that party. I'm, and, and this bring is, in, and this the is the question. Bacon. And this yeah. is the question for you guys. If Kevin McCarthy is EBD, participating in the these sex parties, the how much of a freak is he? Is he, yeah. is he a, 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 a lull freak? Mm-hmm. Sebastian Raymond is uh-huh. he a, a freak of the week? That's Parliament Funkadelic, or yeah. is he a super freak for yeah. James? Mm-hmm. We should no. have Ben Dreyfus on for this question. <laughs> ben, who wrote, like, actually, Iowa Hawk uh, said that it was the best uh, Twitter thread in history. Oh, really? <laughs> and if it's Iowa Hawk telling you that, then that's something. Um, yeah, that happened. Can last I, night. I, I just look at it? Because he said. <laughs> Um, I'm going to call this up seriously. Just read because, it because it's because, so fucking good. Well, because I, you know, I'm not going to take credit for this shit. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but this is what Ben Dreyfus <laughs> the first tweet from our friend Ben Dreyfus. Ben Dreyfus. Um, that's my really bad impression of his father. <laughs> yeah, Richard Dreyfus. Oh. Um, so, so um, this is Ben's tweet, which he sent <laughs> yesterday at 11:41 p.m., which means he was deep in his cups. Yeah. Or his pills or whatever Ben's doing these days. Look, I love anything that starts to look. Anything that starts to look is going to be bad. Look, I'm just going to say what we're all thinking. Why would anyone invite someone in a wheelchair to an orgy? That is what Ben Dreyfus wrote. I didn't write that. I'm just communicating something that happened. Ben doesn't know. I'm certainly happy that woke people on Twitter complaining about this would like me to know that in theory, if they had an orgy, they would invite all the people in wheelchairs they know. If I was throwing an orgy, I would base my invitations on their abilities to be active participants in the orgy. That is To make the entire experience better for the group. 
I wouldn't invite anyone in a wheelchair. <laughs> I wouldn't invite people who are even slightly unathletic. No, oh, no, yes. no, no. I just think it would be weird to throw an orgy and not inform people in advance that someone in a wheelchair was. <laughs> have you ever slept with someone in a wheelchair? That I is... haven't. Oh, no. I would want to. I would, oh. I would want time That's to do some good. googling beforehand. Oh no. People seem to be treating the orgy as if it's the Oscars, and that, represent, and that representation is important. My orgy is not about showing society at its best, okay? My orgy is about like-minded, sexy people who want to fuck athletically in a glamorous group. I'm sorry that that isn't going to perfectly represent all the different types of people in the world. You have no right to come to my orgy. You have a, you have a right to vote. You have a right to freedom of speech. You have a lot of rights. But you don't have a right to come to my orgy. I think we need to pass a law. Yeah, that this says is everyone just, could go to bed drive. And by the way, this orgy. is Ben from uh, formerly of Mother Jones, the lefty publication, becoming a bit more uh, free market here. <laughs> this is just a market-based situation. If I start inviting people in wheelchairs to my orgy without them knowing about it in advance, they're going to stop coming to my orgies. Now, if you want to rent out the place for a private party, that is absolutely fine. I'll give you a discount. We'll, we can even talk about a night where I warn everyone in advance and give them a heads up. But I'm not spur of the moment inviting Madison Cawthorn to my orgy. This, by the way, goes on many, many other tweets. But that was Ben Dreyfus, our um, multiple time guest, really not caring because his father won an Oscar and doesn't have to work ever again in his life. And he will do something like that. Fifth Column does not endorse the content. We do not endorse the content uh, content of that very, very, very Michael Moynihan will happily have sex with anyone in a wheelchair. I mean, that is also true. But provided you are over Ben (laughs) seven foot tall when standing. Or yes, being held up. Exactly. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't grow up in Hollywood, so my standards are a bit lower. Yeah, I don't really care what you're in. Um, but oh, that was the God. Ben Dreyfus thing. That uh, And Ben is an, an, a total insane person and very, yeah. very funny. So um, I, I do stand in opposition. Don't get to mad. That. It's a funny. I stand in opposition joking. to it. I, I, yeah, I do yeah. think people in wheelchairs know how to get down. I'm just saying. I don't, plenty I, don't of evidence. Evidence. I don't think that he was claiming otherwise. He kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kinda kinda did. I mean. So you have to be athletic. You have to. He's, he's saying you have to be able to walk to get down. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, there at his are orgy. It's his. It's his call. At his orgy. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will say this: there are sex parties that exist uh, in various cities. New York City being one of them. L.A. Etc. There to are sex standards parties? at those parties. This is not. You heard my question. N- You're ignoring my question. Have you been what? to those sex parties, Mike Moynihan? Can I finish my story first? <laughs> nope. Okay, let me finish the story first. Nope. There are requirements mm, and getting sorry, into what? that, which include sending a headshot or things like that. I'm not kidding. This is true. That's true. Yeah, yeah I'm familiar with these. I'm familiar with this as well. Yeah. Well, how do you? I know, know all about fuck? this process. Yeah. Yeah. What? But I don't have to send the headshots because I get solicited. The one that I sent was uh, a group <laughs> shot of the fifth column with you guys, like ma- like just markers over your faces, and then like it's me in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I, wait, what? What? There's yeah headshot requirements. Yeah, 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 at yeah. Sex parties. That yeah, you yeah. You want to? I mean, so you want three of this fucking come on, podcast? This fucking like quality. This quality control. Yeah. Like, what do you? You don't want to just like, let anybody. Who in there, wants Matt? to come to a sex party? The people that like that's just a. Like it's the Wuhan wet market of sex. Like you, you know, people want to go in there and get some free shit, and they, the people who want that shouldn't be coming. People who get it normally should be going. That's right. You know wouldn't, what I'm saying? Wouldn't it's true. It just makes sense. Like a, true. 
It's a, true. A screen of expectations. No, we just don't. Litigation. You don't want the uglies. That's just you want to. Yeah. You're filtering yeah, out it. the the aged and the uglies. It'd be absolutely fucking stone batshit crazy. Yeah. You don't care. They're hot. No, no, no. It's it's not that. <laughs> what it is is you're trying to get the away from the people who like are in the corner, like smoking a pipe and just watching everything like a creep. I think that's what you're trying to to avoid. In the people who name names. <laughs> uh, yeah, but seven or eight. But I mean. <laughs> We do have a Patreon. You can go, well, we have something else too, but we'll talk about that in a second. But um, yeah, that's, uh, should we be endorsing the other thing now <laughs> after this conversation? Now that we've talked about people in the corner smoking pipes at yeah, a yeah. sex party. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to one. I've just heard about this. That just doesn't. I mean, I heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. One, t- one or two times somebody's told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was fucking weird though. To hear about it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so weird to hear about it. When I was there, at the conversation about it. When I was there, at the conversation about it. After having like, supplied your headshot before yeah, yeah. the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I wasn't. I have good never, headshot. I've never done anything like that. I'm just yeah, saying we that. I would yeah. get invited, and I could, could go. You would certainly wouldn't deny me. Yeah, you were invited. Yeah. It was like when you were 14. 14 or 13 years old, right? That is no. crime. That would be well, a crime. Yeah, it'd be a crime. Sure, yeah. but like, you know. But he's not going to be invited now. Sure, married for Not sure, time. but yeah, yeah. that is unacceptable, yeah. Matt Welch. Yes. Let's move on from this topic before you get yourself into trouble. I mean, I never I went. to get you out of trouble. To work. <laughs> I just heard about them. Yeah. And if anyone wants to hit me up and I can tell you stories about the things mm-hmm. that I heard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The, I, guess, mm, I got some they, funny stories. Do they need to supply a headshot? Or at least like a yeah. measuring tape of height. Uh, sure. Height. Yeah. Both yeah. of those things are true. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, just hit me up. We'll talk later about the things I've heard. Do we have anything else to talk about? I mean, it's been, it's actually, there's a lot going on in the world beyond the oh, stuff no. that we talked about. Hour and 40 yeah. minutes in. Yeah. yeah this, read headlines. That's what I'm saying. I'm, well, yeah. I'm not reading headlines. I've, I've actually been paying attention this week. I know, uh, I know wow. that Joe Biden caused some, some waves. Uh, and this was towards the end of last week, although some of it has continued to play out this week when he suggested that Vladimir Putin needed to be removed from office. This man cannot stay in office. Mm. And when he, and, and it was immediately um, walked back. I think it's fair to call it walked back. Mm-hmm. Um, by members of the administration. Um, and later on, Joe Biden has been questioned about this in different instances no, no, and no, keeps no, no, insisting no. that he hasn't walked anything back. No. Yeah, this yeah, was yeah, just yeah. A, a moment where he expressed his moral yeah. outrage by explicitly saying, as the president of the United States, this man cannot stay in power. But of course, he wasn't actually suggesting Same. that this should be a policy goal of the United mm-hmm. States. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's a feeling he has deep inside. Mm-hmm. Um, said by the smoke, president of America. Smoking a pipe in the corner. One of, yeah. one of many instances. When I say that it's different. When the president says it's kind of more important. Yeah. It, it's one of those moments where I, I can remember, and I, I'm confident I said this to you guys off mic uh, at some point, but, you know, I, I am uh, notorious since we're talking about, you know, six years ago. Um, at some point during that election cycle, those many moons back, I would say, meh, Trump. Because my thinking was that the guy is awful, he's bad, yeah. but he's probably not uniquely awful. And most of the things that people are concerned about, you know, probably not going to come to fruition. Um, there are many ways in which I think he was uh, an absolute disaster of president of the United States. And I thought to myself when the Ukraine nonsense was beginning to unfold, God, it's probably a good thing that he's not president because you mm. don't even know what this guy might do or say. Um, 
But with Joe Biden as president of the United States, we don't seem to have avoided that problem at all. I have yeah, but no idea what this man that, is getting ready to do or say. He is in Bruce Willis territory here, that he's like not with it. That he's, uh, that he's senile. Yeah, I think there's an understanding of that, <laughs> that in the Kremlin. Is that okay? No, it's not okay. <laughs> but I think, no, it's not okay. But I, I think, think that might be worse. They At take least the that vice president is super smart. Yeah. Oh, oh my uh, God. Yeah. But she, and this is the thing. I think she might be worse. I, she I have like, no yeah, idea yeah. what Kamala Harris is. Give me a talking topic. I'll give you a Kamala Harris speech. <laughs> <laughs> Ukraine, go. You know, we all the, the east and western front that you have from the east and the west is on top of the feeling that you have from the south. And what that means for everyone is unity of purpose. And we've been talking about that myself and the president for long, long periods of time. Already more articulate. I think than probably it's true. I was going to say, you're doing it. You're doing it too much. (laughs) We've seen it on TV, but but even if we haven't seen it, we know that we can feel what we see. Yeah. And you don't always see with your eyes. She's like the. Now, yeah, Camille's got that. That's closer, right? She's like the the woman who just smoked weed and is going to go to the the fucking Pink Floyd laser show. And she's like, here's what happened, man. I see it up there in space. And then you hear it, you feel it. There are stars yeah and See, the they're in wild. the sky it's wild both of it, them the sky yeah. it is infinite yeah that's right and dark and the dark yeah. sky and literally right in the middle of this putin invaded another country <laughs> it's just like screw it i'm doing it infinite yeah <laughs> finland has been <sighs> taken over it's just, um, it's a yeah. bad look. It's, it's a, a bad, bad look. look. A bad and, and, look. and against that same backdrop, yeah. we've had the New York Times and the mm. Washington Post this week have both mm. published stories, uh, corroborating this oh laptop story. Yes. This, this, this ridiculous Hunter network. Biden laptop story. But, and going further, the Washington Post seems the to produce some yeah. new, some new information related to some of the specific shady deals that Hunter Biden had been striking with uh, uh, foreign companies in China um, and Ukraine. But I think the reporting was specifically about China. And and this shit looks dodgy. It does not look good. Dude, let me um, call, call time out. Go for it. I, I don't. <laughs> John Stewart might do a segment about how the disparate treatment here. Dude's a crackhead. So <laughs> not surprising that he's up to some shady deals that might Dad. get him more crack. Dad. What's up? So, <laughs> I lost my laptop. The, the difficulty, of course, though, is just that the way the way that the reporting had played out when the stories about this laptop first broke, the yeah. broad, broadly shared belief yes. um, amongst members of the elite media that this, oh my God, this looks like a Russian op. In fact, I, I believe there was like <laughs> yeah. 60 intelligence officials who signed actually, a letter yeah, yeah. Um, suggesting that, no, no, this, this, this has Russian fingerprints all over it. This mm-hmm. looks dodgy as hell. Um, and in fairness to them, they said it could be, but when something could be something, you don't write that's a letter. Weird. Not it's weird to write a letter. It's not a letter, letter campaign. No, you say that to your wife. Like, this could be a Russian. You're like, let's get a letter going. So wild. It's like, we can acknowledge they just wanted him to win. And like, okay, that's fine. I was 10, 10, 19, 19, 2020. Um, yeah. st- Politico headline here. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo. Dozens of former intelligence yeah. officials say more than 50. Firm. Former intelligence of- officials sure. signed a letter casting doubt on the province mm-hmm. of New York Post story on the former vice president's son. My, um, my my feeling about like the more than X number of people signed a letter 
mm. uh, stories is that that's a great sign that we need a, a vast uh, job reduction in that category. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 278 <laughs> economists. But it's, at least it was former. Former. That yeah, was the yeah. good thing that was former. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like, if those former intelligence Jesus officials. Christ, it's like the yeah. Fox News generals guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Former general, former yeah. colonel from, like, 2001. Wait, I got to look this up because um, my favorite former um, – a uh, lieutenant general, I think, uh, uh, Mike Flynn. Uh, oh my God. He, <laughs> he pooped on his hands. Yeah, this yeah. Week, this didn't is a good, Did he? Good Mike yeah, Flynn is it? Is it bad? He's shape. he's seriously mentally ill, and I don't know why. Yeah. It's amazing. That's the incredible thing that you realize with the Trump administration. Like he was literally. I mean, he didn't last what four months or something. Yeah. It was very very maybe even shorter than that. No, um, it was, I think it was two months. <laughs> was it two months? It might have been even two months. Um, but he said, what was it today? That he said something about um, the new, like the, the Ukraine invasion was about the new world order. And Soros. Mm-hmm. And Soros and Bill Gates. Yeah. Which yeah. Um, was really just like expert, really sharp analysis uh, from Mike Flynn. Which is the kind of shit that you hear from Madison Cawthorn. I mean, one of the through lines about this and a lot of uh, stupid American politics is that um, the Justin Amash critique is correct, which is essentially people who are in Congress. In Moynihan, you had a clip that was actually shared probably by Busty Wimsett um, from the last issue uh, episode, but maybe it was uh, Ben Price um, uh, in the context of stupid confirmation hearings is that we have to realize that the people who pretend to govern the com- country are ridiculous. So like in if Congress is – the decisions are made by five people. Or so. Yeah. Speaker of the House, a couple other people, not not too many. And they do their big negotiations at the end of whatever year, a deadline, and they throw things in. No one reads the bill. It's up or down. That's it. So what do the other 530-odd people do? Yes. What do they do? What's – what's you have a job. You're, you're paid pretty well. Yeah. Um, and you're presumably in a pretty safe district. Most people are. Yeah. Um, so you can lean in one direction or the other. Um, so w- what's your long-term gambit? You could sit in that job for a long time, not do anything because you can't, right? You can do some oversight things maybe, hold hearings, um, but you know, likely you're just going to be competing for the clown show um, uh, kind of camera hogging uh, business. Um, or you can compete for the future slot on MSNBC if you're Jen Psaki or on Fox News if you're Madison Cawthorn. Um, you just try to out clown one another. Yeah. So you are be, you become sort of the id of the worst of the already really bad political party. Yeah. You're not actually doing any work, right? And so you're going to say and, uh, and and flirt with and embrace all of the crazy shit all of the time. None of it is a surprise. What we should do is have a default, not just skepticism, but like derision. Of all these motherfuckers until proven otherwise. How many people in Congress right now, in Congress, sitting senators, Congress people, can you say to yourself, I have respect for that person? Peter Meyer. And it's not because he's a listener of this podcast. Patrons. No, it's actually not. This is actually true. I interviewed him for a story. This is a long story of where this story is at this point. And we sat down and talked for about an hour and a half, I think, about, you know, sort of defense contracts and the business of government and everything. And it was like one of the smartest, most interesting conversations I had. And I had to remind myself, he was running back 
in fourths of the floor because I can't remember. There was some very important vote that day. It might have even been impeachment. I have no idea. But it was really interesting. And I was like, you know, he's a young guy. And I was like, he's not going to survive here, not because he's going to get voted out of office, but because people that are bright and interesting like this don't end up staying. They end up going somewhere else because it's very hard to you know, exist amongst all these, you know, knuckle draggers. And, and you know, not, yeah. and not just in terms of winning reelection. No, 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 I don't mean that at like, all. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you know, it's it, when I see that, and I just made fun of Mike Flynn saying that, you know, George Soros is responsible for Ukraine. And, and I think he did, he said it was COVID too, that George, Bill, Bill uh, Gates was responsible for him. And it's so funny because I think that that instinct is really, really interesting in public life because when you displace racism, as an acceptable thing. And I think that, you know, even John Stewart could probably admit that that is not an acceptable way of thinking these days. You have people that still have that instinct. And that is essentially the racist instinct, right? You blame every problem on one sort of force. Nefarious. Nefarious other. thing is like, you know, uh, immigrants from X, Y, or Z background are destroying the fabric of America. The, you know, black people, white people, whatever it might be, is destroying this, that, and the other as a group. And, you know, that kind of is channeled into this thing of like every single thing. And this happens so much in, in, you know, various Republican circles, particularly people on the Hill. You see this so much in the Marjorie Taylor Greens and people like that is that Ukraine was not a country that ever heard of, knew very little about, paid little, little attention to after the invasion, but it just slotted in that that force. And this one is. You know, um, my favorite one is the, the not the, is the is it the World Trade Organization they're obsessed with now? It's like the WTO and Soros Davos. And, and Davos. They're somehow responsible for Putin invading a sovereign country and getting his ass whooped, um, which is which is you know not something that I say with any joy because there's so many civilian casualties and being people being killed in, in, on both sides. But yeah, you see that kind of constant instinct, and that's why people like Marjorie Taylor Greene should be deep sexed. It's not because they are, you know, white supremacists. It's that they actually have instincts that are similar in a way that they see the world through a prism. And it's, it's, you know, I would say that probably, I'm, I'm thinking of this on the fly, so I'm probably wrong about it, but I would say it's actually more like anti-Semites that see like the Rothschilds. Sure. They see this global conspiracy of people and it always ends in anti-Semitism. But that instinct is what you see from people like this. They're not talking about Jews. I mean, Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene does go there periodically and the Republican Jewish uh, coalition, I think, just endorsed her primary opponent, yeah. which is the right thing to do. Because she's just like a wine mom. She's like a drunk wine mom who reads Facebook kind of posts. Kind of buff. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, she's still like the the look of her. She's yeah. you know the one you know with the, with the uh, UGG boots on. You know, at the huge cappuccino in the morning after drinking seven glasses of wine <laughs> the previous night with their friends, and they like share Facebook posts that where nothing is real. That's kind of <laughs> the vibe of her. When I look at her, it's like that's the politicians we're getting now. They used to be corralled into, you know, like soccer games and like cutting up oranges. <laughs> or at least the fucking state Senate, you know? Yeah. Fuck? Yeah. States. I mean, even state Senate kind of kept those people out, but, um, but yeah, no, like that, they, they have that conspiratorial mindset and I see so much of it in particularly in the Republican coalition now. And it's not even about backing Donald Trump. <clears throat> it's Donald Trump brought these people out. The people that were, you know, sort of magnetically attracted to him were the people who think like this. Because it's a very, very simple way of thinking. It's a dumb person's way of thinking. That there's one silver bullet that explains almost everything. 
And it's probably, in this case, Soros, which is so comic that when you try to get them to say, even somebody who's actually smart, and people might object to this, but it's actually true. Dinesh D'Souza is a very smart man who decided to go down a very dark path and essentially admitted that when I talked to him, that, you know, being like academic was getting him nowhere. He wanted to affect change and ended up in jail too. But this is somebody, when I questioned him about quote unquote Soros, it was such a weird response. They're not even prepared to respond to it because it's become such an article of faith amongst these people in this cult. And they're cult members. They're bizarre cult members. And it's like Scientology, but with a mission and, uh, you know, a political mission, a more, you know, overt one and various television networks that back them up. And that's like, you know, OAN and Newsmax and things like this, but it's, it's fucking depressing. There's still, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders this week went against the oligarchs, uh, you know, the, yeah. the Elon Musk and the, 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 the moon and everything. If we just did this yeah. and I'm sure in somewhere uh, in there, uh, or somewhere. space capitalism, <laughs> Coke brothers. Um, there is the Coke brothers, like, uh, yeah. like, uh, mirror image of that. It's probably less prevalent right now. Um, but there's some crazy ass shit there too. And yeah. it's yeah. just the structure of the organism is such that it does not produce respectable activity. Yeah. Um, and we shouldn't go looking for it there. We should expect the opposite. Yeah. I mean, hey, getting Matt, me, Yeah. Go ahead. Come here. No, I was going to ask Matt, are you paying any attention to the, to the races where Madison Cawthorn and, and, um, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are being challenged by some, some apparently more serious Republican opponents? I, I think, uh, Jennifer Strahan is the name of the woman who had gotten some media this past week. Have you seen any indication that these people have a shot at potentially unseating these folks? No, but I haven't been paying attention. And, and okay, uh, so you don't actually you don't know anything. I saying. don't know anything. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I like generally speaking, when people I, I've been do, looking, but I think it's just internal polls at this point. I haven't seen a lot of reporting about that at all, except the way that it has gone tightening in, in some way, shape, or form in the professional politics world um, is that uh, whenever there is like a respectable Republican going against a Trumpian. Um, the either the organization or the candidate, uh, him or herself, um, will soon flip either to just being a Democrat or um, will go on an idiosyncratic voyage of their own. For example, mm. Evan McMullen, who ran for president in mm -hmm. 2016, mm -hmm. is now uh, running a very weird uh, campaign against Mike Lee for Senate in Utah. Right. Uh, Evan McMullen was like, I'm anti-Trump. I remember interviewing him just yeah, days before. I, I did too. Yeah, just did, days yeah. before the election, yeah, me too. Uh, Rick Wilson was working for him back then, um, and like he was going to be the decent guy. He used to work for the CIA, and he's sort of McKinsey. It's not McKinsey, but like one of those guys, yeah, Goldman yeah, yeah. Sachs, I, I think it was actually. Um, and uh, you know, he just backed core principles, and you know, he seemed like a normal guy, and, and you know, he got some votes. He came in fourth, I think, uh, or fifth in the election, and uh, got a lot of votes in Utah. And he's been bubbling around and doing these kind of vaguely centrist uh, type of uh, moves since then. And then um, after a flirtation with like, we're going to create this new third wave thing, he's like, screw it. I'm going to run as a Republican and go against Mike Lee. Mike Lee, um, there are uh, arguments for and against everybody who's in Congress and in the Senate in this case. Mike Lee is in, you know, he's in my top five probably of, of Republican senators. He's done things that I think they're embarrassing him. I know him a little bit. Um, he's also been pretty good on stuff like criminal justice. He's been pretty good on stuff like foreign policy from my point of view. Um, uh, 
again, with disagreements, but he's been a fairly serious human being. Um, and McMullen has taken this anti-Trump energy and thrown it as like calling him Moscow Mike um, because, you know, Mike Lee voted against sanctions against uh, Vladimir Putin, which is pretty consistent with like hardcore libertarian leaning type of people. Um, one can disagree or whatever, but one he's not Moscow Mike. It's just like that's not who he is. So um, long way of saying, Camille, that usually those challenges are not kind of manifest in a real like Republican challenge. Mm -hmm. Evan McMullen is going to get his clock cleaned and then is going to disappear and find some new centrist third way bullshit that's not going to go anywhere. Um, And there might be some cases of individual races with the absolute craziest of the MAGA people being finally challenged by people. But Trump is popular in the Republican Party and there have been um, in, in state after state, the uh, the leadership of a lot of parties have gone and have changed into a more a pro-Trump place than they were even three years ago. Um, and so I think even as Trump kind of exits the scene, and I'm going to even presume, and this is stupid, uh, that he might not be successful in re- Republican primary, but the Republican machinery is there, sort of a lagging machinery to Trumpism especially as a lot of people and candidates are like, hey, look, and this is true intellectually very, very much. A lot of people are trying to create an intellectual Trumpism in the wake of Trump, right? (laughs) J.D. Vance, who's going to get his ass kicked and embarrassed, and it's one of the most silly human beings Mm -hmm. on the political scene um, uh, I can think of. It's going to squander a lot of money losing a Republican primary uh, to run for Senate in in Ohio. Um, but that's part of the attempt like, okay, can we create this thing that fills what we imagine is this sort of hole that Trump created? Um, that is up in the air, but the actual people who are going to do that, there isn't a lot of evidence that the Republican party has, is, is getting to a place like, okay, we're going to repudiate the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. Like they're just not there yet. That's the state of the party. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and, I, and I suppose on the way out here, um, it's, it's worth mentioning that in this same week, uh, there was also some, some new reporting about an eight hour gap that was discovered, um, in, by the January 6th, the House January 6th committee, according to some reporting that we've seen places like ABC News, um, a period during the day on January 6th where there is no official record of phone calls or communications from Donald Trump while he was at the White House and things were playing out um, at the Capitol. Um, And uh, according to this reporting, at least the tone of it suggests that this is not just mysterious. um, It is, it is potentially very damning. Um, A lot of the reportage um, has included allusions to burner phones um, or other devices that were used by Trump to obscure uh, his his pattern of communications on that particular day. And there have been certain people who said that they've talked to the president during the same period. Um, and there are no records of that in the official, um, the official documentation that came to the committee. Again, according to these reports, this is people familiar with the, the committee's investigation have reported this. And again, this has been, reported in a way that suggests that there's something dark and sinister going on here, but I, I don't know. Um, I don't know that there's any other indication that there 
I think it's is safe a, to a broader assume, conspiracy now, but it's not a conspiracy. The, I think it's safe to assume any conversation that we don't know that Donald Trump had on that day was absolutely shitty and will make us all feel bad to be alive. What does that mean? That that's it. That's a, a basic statement. I mean, there's no. Do you think that those like whatever gap is on, on that day is going to be Trump? Like, hey, you know what? It's pretty bad that like dudes with like Viking heads and no shirts have like taken over in the office. Maybe we should like scramble security to make that go away. Do you think that's the conversation? That's the topic of conversation. No, it's he's going to be he's going to be pooping on his own hands mm. uh, in this, and it's going to be embarrassing and terrible. I doubt that it's going to be culpable in, in any way, except for the basic like. How the fuck did this guy had, did we decide that this guy was going to be president? And no, we, no, we enough, enough people in America. Yes. I mean, he's, we didn't mention it this week and, and, you know, it's, it's arguably not worth mentioning, but he said in an interview that now would be a good time for Vladimir Putin, who incidentally is engaging in a series of war crimes against civilian populations uh, in a country um, that he has no business in right now, like murdering children and stuff. Um, like now would be a good time for Vladimir Putin to, to cough up information about the Biden family. Like that's what Donald Trump said this week, a guy who might run for president. Um, whatever he said in that gap is going to be shitty because he is shitty. <laughs> He's fucking shitty. He acted shitty all w- the way up into the run up and to that moment. He acted shitty all that day. And at some point, we'll get the transcripts of that. We're going to go, wow, fucking shit. I mean, shitty. It's, it's, it's an indictment of, again, of, of cable news. And we were talking about uh, John Stewart before. I think we should be consistent about this sort of thing. Um, because I'm sure that if, you know, we, you watch people like Stephen Colbert now, and they are cheering the president when he's getting tough questions from Bill Ducey or whatever his name is. <laughs> mm. Rick Ducey. Um, <laughs> The reason I bring this up is that, you know, the real difficulty in this story is that when you have that news cycle and you need to feed the beast, and particularly when you have a partisan outlet, whether it's Fox or MSNBC, and in this case it would be MSNBC, you just have people popping up and saying, this is Watergate. You have Carl Bernstein, I I mean, um, uh, Bob Woodward saying this. This is, you know, the, the, the typical worse than Watergate. We don't know much about it now, and there's been a number of alternate explanations of why there is that seven to eight hour gap, and some of them sound pretty reasonable and pretty plausible. And that's when we're constantly obsessed with this obsession, and it's people within the media class of, you know, comparing Trump to Nixon. Nixon was a lot smarter than Trump, I mean, by by, by quite a bit, actually, and trying to constantly say this thing, and this is actually, I think, the key point is that this thing will it'll really be the club. It'll be the one. It'll be the Finally. one. It'll be the one. It's never the never one. It's going to be the one. 2024 is not going to hinge <laughs> upon whether there's a seven hour gap <laughs> in the phone conversations. Like literally you can catch him on the phone being like, you know, burn down the Capitol in, you know, in his own version of this, which he said during the campaign 2016, you know, shooting somebody on, Madison Avenue and he wouldn't lose any voters. And he understood that, which is why you act so brazenly because you don't lose votes when you have your own version of a cult and it's not going to work. And it's like, is this what we think it is? Well, you know what? Honestly, I don't care. And the reason I don't care is because the, the reporting is incomplete 
and everything now is speculation. So stop speculating. But I know you need to feed the cable news beast and you need to make the Nixon comparison. We got him. We got him. We got him. It's, it's just like it was during Watergate. Um, you know, worse than Watergate is just fucking John Dean. Please go away. We don't need How you. How many we, books has you written? Out everything. everything. Like, yeah. he, he fucking missed the subway this morning and it was worse than Watergate. <laughs> everything is fucking worse than Watergate for this guy. But in, by the way, I love the, the, um, uh, it was at Len Kolodny's book, uh, the silent coup, which was the, the kind of conspiracy history of, of, of Watergate where John Dean is actually the bad guy in the book, which I really fucking love. Cause I hate him so much. I don't, I don't think it's true, but I, I enjoy it. But you know, that sort of thing, which is, over and over thinking that this will be the silver bullet. What, at what point do you learn that there isn't a silver bullet? At what point do you realize that there's not a single thing, one thing and the accumulation of things is so much and so kind of hard to remember all the things that the man is beyond being attacked in this way. He just isn't. I mean, you're either exhausted by him and don't want him back in the political scene or you're not. That's essentially what it is. I don't believe, like Joe Biden, you know, has horrible poll numbers now, 39% approval rating or something around that, hovering around there. Well, you know, it's this, it's the, you know, repudiation of woke politics. No, no, shit's more expensive, period. End of fucking story. Understand that people don't care about the shit that you care about because you listen to political podcasts. Nobody fucking cares. They go to the pump. It's five bucks a gallon, four and a half bucks a gallon, four bucks a gallon, something like that. And literally, I am alarmed by how expensive things are in the store. And, you know, I'm used to things being expensive in New York City. And then I'm like, wow, they're like a dollar. Everything's like a dollar more than it was. That is the thing that drives people's approval ratings. Donald Trump is not going to be elected or not elected based on a gap based on, you know, some testimony, based on fucking two impeachments, no one cares. Look at the poll numbers. Nobody fucking cares. You have, if you want to beat him, you have to find a different tactic because this stuff isn't working. And look, I understand also that this is not, the purpose of this is not only to derail Donald Trump's, you know, future prospects as a political candidate. It's also to get to the truth of what happened that day. Yes, I understand that. But the way it's framed on television is like, this is really the hammer blow for Trump. It never is, and it never has been. It never is. So, anyway, should we go? Is there something that you want to talk about at the end of this podcast, Camille, that would be of interest oh, to, to uh, should Yeah, yeah. I suppose we do have an announcement. Fuck, we have an announcement I suppose we do me. have an announcement. Um, we, we've been doing this for about six years. It's going to come out right now. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. To have these conversations um, in public, dude. Most it of the sounds time, like we're quitting. Think don't, I think we're the worst Listen, that's fine. Maybe it's fine. Maybe it's actually fine. You don't know what I'm going to say. You don't know. Um, uh, and um, I think we've we've had a lot of a lot of adventures. We've had some really special um, some special podcasts. We've had some complete and utter debacles, and most of those oh, uh, involved ones. Ben Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, <clears throat> I suspect that we will have many more um, wonderful podcasts. So we're not quitting, um, but. There yeah. are going to be some changes around here. Oh, There's some changes. Oh, and we would like to formally announce that we are taking our talents to Substack. Boom. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. we are going to join mm-hmm. the many decorated and somewhat yeah. notorious in certain instances, uh, polemicists, journalists, podcasters, and other sorted company um, over at podcast uh, at Substack, and we are we're very excited. Um, about the possibilities that this will open up for us. 
Um, and that does mean that we will be moving on from Patreon. Yeah. Um, and there, there's nothing that you need to do today. If nope. you are a subscriber, um, on Patreon, there will be more details about this move in the very near future. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the deal is done, paperwork signed. And I think this is going to be a very good thing yeah. for the fifthdom, for America, for the world at large, and for every conscious entity in the metaverse and the universe. And my my niggas, this is going to be good. We're excited mm-hmm. about it. So there we are. Yeah. Is there anything else to say? I mean, is that fine? Uh, th- well, I'll say one uh, thing about this is that um, to encourage people to sign up to Patreon now, because you have a month at Patreon, it's April 1st now. And when you sign up for Patreon, this stuff will be our extra episodes and things will be being posted at Patreon for this month. We'll be staggering things and going over there. But if you are a Patreon subscriber, here's an inducement for you. Mm. You will get a 30 day free trial. It's not a trial. I don't want to say trial. Cause that's that, that, yeah, not our crane. I get to Biden. This. <laughs> no, not, not in trial because uh, 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 yeah, because it's the trial automatically ported over yes, the moment that for the, free, the moment for that it month, starts, yeah. right? So yeah. on April 5th, we're recording mm-hmm. this on April yeah, 1st, first, yeah. our anniversary on April 5th on Tuesday. Yeah. We're going to have a shingle out mm-hmm. on, on the Substack, stack yeah. saying, Hey, here we are. Here and we are, yeah. for those of you, yeah. it's the majority of you listening to this who are not current subscribers to the Patreon podcast. We're so we're cool with better. you. We love you. So it's fine. Better. We're great. Um, go those of you go over to Patreon. There's gonna be a little thing, and you can click a thing, and you don't have to. You're not gonna pay a damn thing, and it, and it, like there's a whole tier that will be at some point that is zero dollars. Yeah. So you can stay. And in you know what you get on that tier? Yeah. Fucking nothing. No, but emails. Nothing. Get emails? No, I will. I will literally insult you every emails day. Of I'll send you an email <laughs> saying how much of a piece of garbage you are <laughs> I, for not supporting think, us. I don't think you're selling this. Wait, is yeah. that not? Is that not what we're doing? No, I think no. the garbage. Per- <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, no. Uh, oh my what, god. What we want to say is that uh, no, you don't have to do anything. Um, um, so for <laughs> for existing existing Patreon subscribers. <laughs> Um, it's going to be automatically the day that that moves. You have a 30 day free trial that you don't have to do anything to receive. Yes. And we're just trying great. to make it easier for everybody. Um, um, Substack is to be, being amazing about this. They have been amazing partners so far. Unlike Patreon, where we send <laughs> emails and uh, somebody in the Philippines gets back to us four years later and says, Holy fifth. And I'm like, I, I don't know. That is nothing? not, that didn't is answer not, my question. that is not true. That's uh, totally true. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a slight exaggeration, but, but, but no, it's a community building exercise. We're going to have a lot of cool things over there and things that are uh, going to be changing ever so slightly. But uh, if you're a subscriber, you don't have to do very much, but you will be reminded sometime soon that uh, you're going to re-up everything over there. But it's uh, we're excited about it. And very we're excited about it. way more stuff just in general. Um, everything's going to be in the same place. Um, we're going to have new lines of, of product that we yes. don't currently have. That is super exciting for all of us. Um, and also we're going to a place that not just like takes our, our phone calls, um, but like who take free speech and the yeah. – defense against potential mobs so seriously, so fundamentally, yeah. um, 
that it's fantastic. Which has been mistaken. It's so funny that in the past it was mistaken as some sort of, you know, ideological stand. It is not, it is a defense of free speech and not of, you know, sort of one side of a debate. But the good thing about this is understand that when we go to a, a place like this, we have been interacting with them. We signed a contract with them, which I'm very excited about. And the thing about this is that we are working with them. So when we say we have a bunch of new things that we're developing, we're developing them alongside of them. And uh, it's part of our job now. So we sometimes we're a bit busy and trying to figure things out before we have a team of people that are helping us with this now. And it's just going to be even better than it's been on Patreon, which has admittedly been pretty damn good. But like considerably better, especially the interface, the community stuff. It's going to be incredibly better. And there's going to be more stuff. You can tell we're excited about this. Yeah, we're we're pumped. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We are pumped. We are pumped. I am. Let me use the word stuff one more time. Stuff is coming. Stuff is coming. Stuff is coming. We don't want to reveal. I mean, I'm, you know, you're a stripper. You keep it on and then you start slowly (laughs) taking it off. I'm not going to tell you what's happening. You know what, you know what Juicy J, you know what Juicy J says about strip clubs where the strippers keep the things on? What? I'm just saying. It's a rip off. Some of y'all know. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) What? We know of new methods of attack. Trojan horse, the fifth column.